genre. Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. Today, we are interrupting our Apatow miniseries with a centenisode to celebrate our 100th episode of the podcast. Uh, wow. 100 episodes of this freaking show. <laughs> 100 episodes. I was, that's a, that's I was, a lot I, of research. <laughs> it's a lot of research. A lot of hours. You know what I almost did? I, I, I had half a mind to go through and find our past 100th episodes of stuff. Oh. Like, oh, what was our 100th episode of Back to the Future Minute? Um, What was our 100th episode of Cornetto Minute? But I just, I, I didn't do it. Our 100th episode of Back to the Future Minute was Minute 100 of Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. It's pretty easy. It would be easy to find each one. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I guess it would be like minute 10 of Hot Fuzz. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, right. Kashana the Dead isn't quite 100 minutes. But yeah. And, you know, we're it, it's pretty crazy, man. You know, we're recording this uh, really soon after our 100th episode of Dueling Genre tonight, mm-hmm. which we did with with Matt. Yeah. And so on the Patreon, it's such Patreon a, content, Patreon content, hashtag Patreon content. Yeah. It's a, it's such a vivid memory back when I was living with you and Bethany. And we were getting this phase of dueling genre off the ground. Yeah. Like DGT franchiseography. So to be hitting this milestone, it, it, it feels it came really quickly. Yeah. Yeah. We're already sort of in another era because we we went really hard in the paint on the branding and everything for like a solid mm-hmm. year. And then we were like, well, <laughs> that didn't. <laughs> that didn't amount to a lot of new listeners, so now mm. we're just back to putting our nose to the grindstone and doing the work, you know, like we yeah. always do. That's For that's sure. that's our brand. <laughs> <clears throat> that's our sweet spot. Yeah, um, but that's what I like. I don't. I I, I you know I kind of like being a, a, a an under the radar show. It's it's actually kind of nice. You know, it's funny you bring that up. I I, I was listening to uh, a podcast that I really enjoy. It's another film podcast, but it's uh, a lot more popular. Um, mm-hmm. Relatively speaking, you know, probably has like, I don't know how many listeners, but anyway, they, at the end, the hosts were like um, lamenting the thing where you they, they they can't say something on Twitter without randos being like, well, actually, right. Like, does this guy not know who blank is? And you're like, I, I do. Who fuck? Why are you talking to me? You know? Right. Right. And they were like, if only there was just like a little discord, like a private discord where you at least have to like know who we were or like know the shows to even talk to us. And I'm like, Oh, they're talking about what we already have. Yeah. Which, which that we had a taste of that with the, with, with the, the, the March Madness That's right. last year. We and tried year doing before. that on Twitter. And we were just like, I hate this. I don't want this. And that was the moment that I realized like, Oh, I don't want to be a big podcast. Cause 
that sucks. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it sucks. Yeah, yeah. So no, I uh, like I like our listeners. You know, they're all great. I love our listeners. They're they're all they're all great. Everybody on the Discord is great. You know, we got um, we got a lot of questions from from the Discord uh, that we're going to go oh, yeah. into at the end of the show. Um, and they're all like, you know, really thoughtful and, and, and interesting and exactly the kind of questions that I was hoping to get for our 100th episode, you know? Oh, cool. Uh, Um, you know, there's no, who would win in a fight questions. You know what I mean? (laughs) Sure. Jean-Luc Picard or, uh, Agent K. Right. Yeah. It's a tough question. Um, yeah, right. I think I got to give it to Kay. I don't know. I think so. He's got he's got he's got that Kentucky, you know, <laughs> yeah. spice to him. Yeah. Um but uh yeah, so so uh, you know, thanks to everyone who who listens to the show and enjoys the show. Um you're the reason we're still around and we'll be still kicking toward 200 episodes maybe. Um yeah. in a, in a few years. Um but uh yeah, our 100th episode. So as we mentioned uh last week on the This Is 40 episode, we're covering the Jump Street movies today. Um, right. A, a two-movie franchise that uh, normally would not fulfill uh, the the rules to uh, be covered on the show. I feel like that's a perfect thing for us to cover on these Centenisodes, are these franchises that just have these, these twofer franchises that we would never get to cover otherwise. Mm. Um, and Jump Street feels perfect because it ties back in to our very first miniseries, Men in Black, um, because of MIB 23, uh, a, a project that never got off the ground. Um, yeah. But if it ever and, does, now we can be like, we covered both. We covered both franchises, so we're good to go on this one as a bonus feature. It. <laughs> yeah. It it also, <clears throat> 22 Jump Street especially, really plays with the concept of a film franchise. Totally. In a fun way that's like, would be fun for us to talk about on this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Even more so than something like Scream 2 or Scream 3 or Scream. Um, yeah. Or Scream <laughs> not so much Not six. so much Scream 6. Scream 6 is kind of doing its own thing again. Um, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, in, in any event, um, we've got that. How... We're going to rank the, our miniseries. Yes. Um, so that's going to happen. Uh, franchise rankings. So yeah, so we got a we got a full play today. I imagine it's going to be a pretty long one. I mean, you guys already know we're only seven minutes into this. We have no idea how long this is going to go. I, I always every every time we say, I always think it would be so. I, I imagine a listener glancing at their phone and seeing that it's only like fifty eight minutes. Yeah, being like, what happened? Oh, yeah. Um. It's uh that that I I I've never thought about that, but that is really funny. I'm just like, oh my god, <laughs> how does this end? Do they do they kill each other? <laughs> Fuck you, then. Yeah. Beep. Yeah. Just <laughs> end <stuff>. of show. <laughs> Why you put a uh, signal dial effect? Oh my god, what happened? Um. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get into it by um starting off with so twenty twelve is twenty one Jump Street. Right. Cool. Yeah. So we're do- so we're gonna cover the Jump Street movies, and we're gonna rank our favorite franchises, and yep. then questions, and then questions. Correct. That's that is the order of operations today. So starting with 2012's 21 Jump Street, um, this movie, I don't remember being excited about this. 
I remember sort of just going because people said it was good, and I was like, oh, okay, and not really, like, thinking anything of it, and then leaving and being like, I think Lord and Miller might be two of my favorite directors working today. Like, just immediately, where I'm like, if they mm-hmm. can go from Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs to this, that's insane. No, right, yeah. I, I Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs was a big reason for why I was anticipating this a lot as mm-hmm. it was coming out. Um, I mean, this just was like in the height of my comedy nerddom, which I've discussed at length in our Judd Apatow episode, so I won't go over it here. But yeah. this felt like almost like an evolution of that school of comedy, like Pineapple Express and Superbad, where yeah. like I knew I as a comedy nerd, I, I, I recognize that Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs was like a really dense and sophisticated piece of work. Yeah. In like the dumbest way possible. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. The rat birds and chicken Brent. Yeah. I was like, this speaks to me. And then the uh, this I, I was really I'm, I'm really interested in discussing this because it's easy to forget at the time. This movie had an interesting role or vibe going in with pop culture because this was the movie that was going to test Channing Tata being funny. Right. That's the thing that people forget. Before this movie, no one knew Channing Tatum could be funny. I remember mm-hmm. when Channing Tatum got cast, everyone was like, oh, well, this movie's going to fucking blow. Like, right. that that was that was like what everybody, like all like, you know, although it was exciting when it was announced because they're like, they're turning Jump 21 Drum Street into a comedy, an action comedy. That sounds like a fun idea. Oh, wait, they cast Channing Tatum. Fuck. Never yeah, mind. It's got Jonah Hill, so it's gonna have that Apatow energy. But yeah. It's it's comparable to how people felt about James Franco going into Pineapple Express. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um but I would even argue maybe the odds were stacked a little bit more against Channing Tatum. Because yeah. I think people were apathetic about James Franco before Pineapple Express, but yeah. Channing Tatum was like the guy that boyfriends would be like, Oh, the Channing Tatum guy's so fucking lame. Step up, dude. <laughs> Yeah, he had that Leonardo DiCaprio quality to him, um, that early yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio quality to him, where a certain kind of man uh, felt very threatened by him um, in a way that he was like, no, he actually sucks, you know? Um, and uh, it's like, you had don't you seen... know anything. You're just sad because he has abs and he's a good dancer. <laughs> had you seen, because he's a... Have, have you, yeah. Have you seen uh, She's the Man at that point or, or ever? Uh, no, I have, I, I, I think I've seen like bits and pieces of it here and there. Um, mm-hmm. but I've never, I don't think I've ever seen the whole movie. It's, it, it, it's kind of, he's playing, he found his type early on, which is just like the lovable, the jock that after you tutor him, you learn that he's got like a heart of gold. Right. And sure. You want to hang out with him. Sure. But no other movie, you know, that was a, that was an early success for him. And no other movie up until 21 Jump Street took advantage of that comedic sensibility, you know, that sense of humor. Well, because She's she's the Man was targeted to women. So therefore, yeah. it didn't matter to, yeah. uh, you know, uh, f- film film guys, film bros, no. you know? Yeah, who knows if Judd Apatow or whoever had seen She's the Man. You know? Right, exactly. And, and you know, and that's, uh, that's unfortunate. Uh, but that was the reality of the situation. And so women knew. Women knew there was something about this this Channing Tatum guy, and the I knew because I was a no teen idea. film critic. Yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, so so okay, so obviously Twenty One Jump Street began life as a uh, as a as a television series um, mm-hmm. that aired 
it was one of the very first Fox Network television series. Um, That's right. It may have been one of it may have been the first drama um, on the Fox Network. Uh, it premiered in April of 1987. Uh, you know, it was it was sharing airwaves with Early Married with Children, Tracy Ullman Show, that era. Um, and so like just yes, early, like- early Fox network where people are like, I don't know if it's going to work to have another network that seems insane. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we've had uh, NBC, CBS, ABC. I don't know that we need a fourth one. I think three was enough, um, which is uh, insane yeah. to think about <laughs> in today, by today's standards. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. I didn't, um, I didn't realize it was that late into the eighties. That's, yeah, you know, I it's so at the time, you know, coming. I wasn't. I've never seen an episode of Twenty One Jump Street, and I don't remember. I've only I only know it through its reputation, which is like, oh yeah, at the time it was this huge generation eighties defining show. Yeah, it's it is. I watched. I I I, I shouldn't say I watched the pilot episode because the pilot episode, like a lot of shows in the eighties, a lot of dramas in the eighties, the pilot episode is two hours long. I loved starting a series with a two-hour movie. I don't know why, but it was a thing. Um, and this one, I will say, doesn't quite hold up because he doesn't even get the high school assignment until the end of the first half. Oh, so, wow. So you're like an hour in before because he gets into like he gets into some trouble where you know he's 21 and a cop, but he looks really young, and it like he get, yeah it, it, the the case that he's running it like. He runs afoul of like the guys because they don't take him seriously because he looks like a child. And they're like, actually, like, how about you do this undercover high school thing instead of being a real cop? Um, and uh, and so that's that's how like the first episode ends. And then the, the second half is just sort of like the real first episode of 21 Jump Street where he's like there's like a kid who's like in too deep with a drug dealer and he's got to help him out and like become his friend and the whole thing. Yeah. Um, it's That's gotta be me- what at least nine of them are about, you know? Yeah. It's very melodramatic. Very, mm. very melodramatic. Um, it is very serious. Most episodes, almost all episodes, I think it said something like of the 104 episodes of 21 Jump Street, like 98 of them ended with a public service announcement with the cast. I was going to say this, this feels like. Very, I, I don't. I'm not like a scholar, unfortunately, of like pop culture at the time. But this, this seems like something that was squarely a product of Nancy Reagan's "just say no" agenda. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. Um, because yeah, you know the the storylines were absurd. Where it was just like, you know, it was that thing where it was like it was all the things that 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 the Reagan administration and the Bush administration were really scared of. So it was like everybody was on drugs. Everybody was having sex, sometimes selling their body. Uh, you know, uh, everyone had AIDS, you know, like it was just like, it was, it was just like every, every scary thing, everything that the eighties thought was scary, uh, right wing eighties thought was scary. It was in 21 jump street and Johnny Depp was there. Officer Johnny Depp was there to put a stop to it in high schools. Um, do you think there was ever a satanic panic episode? I'm sure there was. I, I am. I am positive. Uh, I, I think that there is a negative 5% chance that there was not an episode of the satanic panic. <laughs> um, oh man. 
Yeah. Uh, I, so it's not yeah. a great show. Um, it did launch. Uh, it, it launched the career of, of Johnny Depp as a teen heartthrob because he mm-hmm. was a absolute nobody um, in Nightmare on Elm Street, and he got this after that. Um, but he rose so hard and so fast um, that uh, he wanted out of his contract, and they finally let him out after season four. Um, which apparently is like one of the worst seasons of the show because like in typical Johnny Depp fashion, he is like, I am going to crash and burn this motherfucking plane so I can get out of this. Um, I and do just be a Katamari Damashi of wine and scarves. Yeah. Right. <laughs> rampaging through set. Yeah. Um, or, you know, or the, the 1989 equivalent of that. Yeah. <laughs> the- That's crazy. That's crazy though. I never thought of like that history repeating itself of like, Gosh, like the same thing that he would go on to do with pirates, he did like when he was in his twenties at the right, height of right. you know, at the dawn of because he wanted to be a movie the... star. He was like fuck TV. Um, yeah. So so yeah. So so the show uh, ends with the fifth season. You know, the season that introduces new main characters and all of that typical TV shit, where it's like, oh, I'm. I'm, I wasn't here for the show. I was here for Johnny Depp, and now he's not on the show, so I'm not going to watch it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty, pretty typical of this of this era. Um, yeah. And so, uh, so the show ends uh, in in the early nineties, ninety three, no, ninety one. Wow. Um, wow. In ninety one, after one hundred and three episodes, it ended when I began. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so uh, so so twenty one Jump Street ends. And uh, and it goes on ice for for a very long time until um, a writer by the name of Joe Gazam um, writes a spec script that gets uh, quite a bit of attention. He starts making the rounds at the studios, um, ends up at Sony. And, you know, when you go when you write this spec script that becomes like, you know, on the blacklist or whatever, um, gets you some heat. You start you do what's called a water bottle tour. Um, and you, you go to all of the studios and you meet with them, you get a water bottle, you talk about your script, why they liked it. And then they say like, well, what kinds of things do you want to write? Here's the stuff we're working on. Does any of this interest you? Um, and so he gets to Sony and Sony is like, yeah, so this is like the IP that we have. And one of those things was 21 Jump Street and that jumped out to this guy. Um, and he was like, you know what? Uh, uh, that wasn't on purpose. Uh, the the jump in the jump street, but yeah. Um, but he was like, you know what? Uh, I loved that show growing up. Um, I think you could totally turn that into like a mean, you know, R rated like action movie. Um, and that was his that was his thing. Was like, I want to make this an action movie. Um, I'm not, you know, he's not. He wasn't a comedy writer to this day. Um, Joe Gazam has only worked on two things that have been produced. Um, he was a staff writer and a story editor on Magnum P.I., um, the, the, the CBS show. And then he did 39 episodes of that. And then he moved on and did the Equalizer, the Queen Latifah Equalizer. And he's still on that to this day. He's written five episodes of that show. Yeah, I mean, that show's been running for 48 years now. Yeah. But you see. For sure. He does. He's like, I'm going to reboot Jump Street. And then. We'll talk about what happens, but he goes from Jump Street to Magnum P.I., another 80s remake, to mm-hmm. The Equalizer, another 80s remake. But those are more wow. earnest. You know, those are yeah. more 
like like Less serious Irish remakes. Yeah. Yeah. So that seems to be his brand. That seems to be like what he's interested in is like bringing back 80s television. For sure. And that used to be, you know, I, that reminds me of the SWAT movie with Colin Farrell. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And LL Which cool this is this is um in like 2006, 2007, like 2005, mm-hmm. like that era is when this happens. So yeah. he writes a Jump Street script. Um, gives it to Sony. Sony is like, this is nothing. I'm n- we're not, you know, I mean, yeah. it's fine, but like, we're not going to make this. Um, and also mm. there was like no one to star in it because there was no, like, there was no Johnny Depp, you know, there was no like young Johnny Depp who could pass as a high schooler in a movie and whatever. And also this was meant to be a franchise. Like they wanted to start a franchise and, you can't do a franchise because it takes two to three years to make a movie. By the time you get to the second movie, they've already aged out of being in high school. And it's like, well, what's the point of even doing this? So there was like a lot of issues. Right. And so um, Sony was like, uh, thanks for no thanks. Uh, here's your paycheck for writing this script. We're not going to make. But uh, adios um, and uh, put it on ice. Then in 2008, they have a meeting with Jonah Hill and Jonah Hill um, has it in his head of like, what if you did 21 Jump Street, right? But you made it like an action comedy. Um, that's That was what he was really interested in. He loved that idea. So they gave him uh, the previous script that was written. He rewrote the script, added comedy to it. But it was still mostly, it was like a very like half, half and half script with the other guy's script. Like that guy would have gotten screenplay credit. On this draft that Jonah Hill did, because all Jonah Hill did, he didn't mess with the plot really at all. All he did was like add comedy to it. And he was like, yeah, let's make this. And they were like, great. What director do you want to get? He was like, Rob Zombie. Wow. Yeah. So he went out. Yeah. So he went out to Rob Zombie to direct uh, a hard R action comedy, like in the style of like Beverly Hills Cop. Or another 48 hours, you know, not not like comedy, like the movie we end up getting more like, you know, a, a, a harder mixture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, something you could see like Michael Bay directing or whatever. Um, I think he called it. Uh, uh, he said it's it's a R rated insane bad boys meets John Hughes movie. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. That's what he was trying to make. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens? How far does that one get? Okay. So that one, that one, basically he goes to Rob, Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie is like, LOL, no, I don't, I don't direct other people's movies. Um, also, I'm going to go do Halloween probably. I think that's around this time. Um, so, nice. so yeah, so he doesn't have any interest and, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, moves along and then, they're looking for um, another director. And then finally, in December of 2009, um, Sony talks with Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, who are coming off of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs for Sony Animation. Big hit that nobody saw coming. Um, and they're like, what do you want to do next? Assuming it was going to be an animated thing. And they're like, we really want to direct a live action thing. And they're like, well, we're looking for uh, directors. We're looking for a director on this 21 Jump Street project. Do you guys have any interest in that? And they're like, yeah, but we want to rewrite because we want to lean heavier into the comedy of this. And we want to make it sort of a a pastiche on reboots, 
which was like a big thing of this time, like bringing old shit from the past into the present and and uh, dusting it off and calling it new. So yeah. they wanted to do like sort of a commentary on that. So they brought mm-hmm. in uh, their friend, Michael Bacall, um, who was fresh off of writing uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the world um, with uh, Edgar Wright. And so, yeah, so he does another pass on the script, um, you know, with Phil Lord and Chris Miller and, and Jonah Hill, like sort of, uh, you know, uh, dictating where it should go and things like that. Um, and uh, and then they end up with this great script and they bring in Channing Tatum, um, which they just felt they had seen She's the Man, um, <laughs> uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. And they're like, this guy's... Mm. He could be funny, and he's the only guy we can really picture as this guy, like the guy that we want, this sort of like himbo jock character. Um, I and, and they just thought it would be really funny seeing this tall Adonis-looking guy hanging out with nerds, you know? Like, he, they were just like, everything about this is funny visually, and we can make the comedy work even if he's not, like, the strongest at it. So they make the movie... Um, Channing Tatum is terrified the entire time they're making this because he's like, I'm not funny. I don't know what I'm doing in a comedy. This is terrifying to me. And one of the things that they constantly tell is how uncomfortable he is with improv, um, which becomes an ongoing, ongoing joke in the sequel because the sequel is just loaded with inside baseball jokes, not just the obvious like sequel jokes, but also just like loaded to the gills with inside baseball, like private jokes between the actors and uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller and everything. But um, yeah, Channing Tatum, super uncomfortable with the improv. Um, and so he let Jonah Hill do most of the heavy lifting. He would often um, prior, they would often like do the improv stuff before shooting so that Jonah Hill could give Channing Tatum stuff to say like stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So that he could go in kind of like loaded with stuff. Um, because yeah, he was, he was terrified. Um, and, uh, but yeah, they, they made the movie and here's the thing that's crazy about 21 Jump Street that I feel like no one talks about. That first movie cost $42 million. It made $201 million, uh, more than four times its budget. That is a bonkers hit. Um, I had forgotten how big of a hit this was. Um, and as we'll get to it, 22 Jump Street, even a bigger hit, which is why it's so insane. There hasn't been a third one yet. Um, obviously, we'll get into like why. But um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's crazy um, how successful this is. Oh, and also, um, obviously, Lord Miller, they were like, we got to get Johnny Depp in this. Right. He's got to have a cameo. And Johnny Depp immediately said yes, uh, which is crazy because you're like Johnny Depp, height of his power as an actor. You know, coming off of mm. all three Pirates movies, um, I don't think the fourth one had come out yet at this point, right? It, when, yeah, it came out 2011. 2011. So he made that, but hadn't it hadn't come out yet by the time they were mm-hmm. shooting this. Sure. Um, so, so yeah, like, I mean, this is like peak Johnny Depp at this point in terms of like... Mm-hmm. What he his asking price and like all of that. This is like peak career Johnny Depp, and uh, he immediately says yes to a cameo in Twenty One Jump Street, which they were not expecting. But he said, but only under under uh, only under 
the the circumstance that um, you kill my character off. I wanna I wanna go out in a, in a blaze of glory. I want him to die, um, but I want to have an end to this character. And they're like, "Fucking done, done deal, absolutely." That's hilarious. Um, and so they they got him back, and they got him. He was like he was like, "I need to die, and I want to reunite um, with uh, with my co star." Um, uh, from 21 Jump Street because he thought that would be fun, which I just think is kind of, I don't know. I just think it's kind of cute that like Johnny Depp yeah. at this level, he was like, I just want to hang out with like the guy I used to do 21 Jump Street with that show. Right. I tried to get fired off of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it's, it's like looking back, it's like, yeah, it, it, it reminds me of the camaraderie that Tom Hanks had with, I, I, I feel bad. I even brought it up cause I can't remember his name, but Oh, the, the other bosom actor, buddy. Yeah. The other, yeah, the bosom buddy, uh, Hannah's dad and girls and, and right. so many other things. But yeah, where it's like, oh my God, oh, he's the only one who knows, he's the only other person who knows what that experience was like because he's the only other person that knows I'm just a dumb kid that wandered into one audition like he did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we get 21 Jump Street, which to me is a modern comedy masterpiece. Um, this thing is fucking flawless. It is insane. I yeah, I was I thought, you know, I think this might be tied with Bridesmaids as the best comedy of the tens. Hmm. Like maybe this is the end is there. Like hmm. but I I was like, yeah, I think this is I can't think of a movie that's been funnier than this since. Yeah. You know. Like there was just this and, and the fact that, cylinders. like, I've seen it before and I'm still laughing at all of the fucking jokes, like, hysterically laughing. Like, yeah, it's so relentlessly goddamn funny, this movie. It's it's just a machine. It's it's got a stacked cast that's like every single just like hit after hit after hit. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I. Um, yeah, like like it, it's it's there's line after line of like oh my god yeah I remember that because I I don't watch this very often I may have been close to ten years since I've seen this one yeah and yeah like shocked at how like a like I how vividly I remember almost all of it uh huh but then also yeah like how much of it's hold up because as we know you know Scott we're halfway through our Jadapata series comedies are they, they don't age the best a lot of right. the time right right yeah there are very few timeless comedies you know there's like and now, and now that yeah. this is 10 years old i think timeless is the right word because there's a moment where um they're running on the freeway and and Jonah hill's like run like oh, i'm running in tights and Channing tatum's like i'm running in skinny jeans it's the same fucking thing and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, oh like that's a joke that's a funnier joke now because now we all shit on on skinny jeans yeah and because it's become like emblematic of the of the tens when this came out Right, right. Yeah, that's true. Um, God, I love this movie. I was surprised to see Dakota Johnson. I'd forgotten she was in this. I was going to say, she's. there's a two-way tie between who is more tens in this, like in terms of fashion, between her and Brie Larson. Yeah, yeah. I will say that the Brie Larson of it all is the only thing that doesn't age well because like, this does end with her kissing Jonah Hill, and I'm like, oh, She's a high school student. What the fuck are you doing, so, man? So, so notes on that. No, notes on that. So he clocks Brie Larson seconds into getting on campus. Yes. 
it's like the first thing that happens is like, whoa, who's that? I'm like, dude, it's a high school girl. That's who that is. (laughs) They take their sweet, sweet old time before she's like, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm 18. That doesn't I, I'm sorry. That doesn't matter. He's no, no. But like that's there. But that's yeah. why that line is there. No, when... no. I know. I know. I know. I know. But it's like but it's like in the next movie, he's celebrating his 30th birthday. Like he is way too old <laughs> for this shit. Yeah. He's they... like, what, 27 yeah. at the youngest at in this movie? I, I think. Yeah, I think that's the first thing that goes if this gets made in in the 2020s. Yeah. But I, yeah, I spent a lot of time watching this one just being kind of like lamenting. Like I didn't know at the time that I was kind of living in this really fun time for big studio comedies that we haven't really gotten in a long time. Yeah. Where we kind of rallied around a comedy, like 200 million. That's like, that's, that's like everybody being like, yeah. Like, oh, you got to go see the 21 Jump Street movie. Because really the thing is, it's 200 million and, and you're like, well, that's not that much. I've seen like worldwide grosses way higher than that. That's like not for comedies, because the thing is, comedies don't travel well overseas because they're so culturally specific. Com- like so much of comedy is so culturally specific because it's like language specific and 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 yeah, like American culture specific. And, you know, yeah. it, and I, it's I, Yeah. So that's sure. 200, that's, that's like mostly domestic, which is the most insane part of it. And you can see that on the screen because, again, back to going to back to the Judd Apatow of it all. Uh, that movie, that, that filmmaker has, has has commented a lot on his sort of lack of visual style mm-hmm. and how a lot of times those movies are just two hours of, of like shot, shot, riff, 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 improv, improv. And there's so much of the comedy in these two movies that reminded me of like Stephen Chow. Or like Mr. Bean. I mean, there's like a Benny Hill joke in 22 Jump Street. There's like, like the, the camera gag, like the, the explosion joke on the freeway in 21 Jump Street. Yeah. That is pure film language comedy. Yes. That was a thing too, that Channing Tatum was like, this isn't going to work at all. We're wasting our time. This joke is not going to work. And he watched early cuts and he's like, it doesn't work. And they're like, it will work once we get like all of the accoutrement into it, but it has to Mm -hmm. have like the music build up and the sound effects. And it's got to have all of that in it to work. And he finally, when he finally saw the final cut at the premiere, he was like, fuck me. It worked like gangbusters. It's a great show. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you don't, yeah, you don't know. It's so, so weird, yeah. You're going in. It's it's really cool that it paid off the way it did for him, like that. This became such a big kind of, in a lot of ways, his defining movie. Yeah, yeah. Because he doesn't. That he was... If he doesn't do this, he doesn't do the Lost City. You know, like oh sure, yeah, this yeah. Is, this I mean, is a his... straight line to the Lost City. This, and this became... is a straight line to to uh, uh, Magic Mike XXL. Honestly, oh sure. I mean, yeah. this this became his persona of yeah. the lovable dude that reminds you of like your buddy from high school and is hot but also like just kind of the perfect version of what you want like that kind of deal i mean yeah so much of this movie relies on nerds and jocks and eco kids and grown-ups yeah wanting to all hang out with channing tatum yeah yeah also Um, i thought it was please all the jokes about the high schoolers being like really sensitive and like really into the the environment and all Mm -hmm. of that, like all of those jokes. I'm like, God damn, these are it. This, this movie is, is almost 12 years old and all of this is still relevant because that is how high schoolers are now. 
still sure. to this day. Like, that's how we like, feel. Yeah, it like, has they're changed, talking about, you know? Yeah. 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 Or they're... That's yeah. It, it's it's fun. I think that is kind of a, a key as to why I think this movie would could age better compared to. I mean, you know, they name check Glee, and right. there's like a cottage industry now of video essays about how like rancid Glee is. Right. In yeah, in hindsight, and yeah, I mean, yeah, like it, like um, it's so weird. Yeah, because like um, a, a a complaint that I had like watching this movie, I was kind of like, I'm becoming the adult, the old man of like, I don't make them like this anymore, and. <laughs> just feels like a lot of comedy writers are just speaking to each other and kind of like, ah, oh, we know what this is. They're kind of like, there's an apologeticness to a lot of comedies now. Mm-hmm. And there's just like such a confidence to both of these movies that I found really refreshing. Yeah. Like, I mean, they, when he like punches the kid, the setup of like when they, yeah, when someone steps up to you, just have to like punch him. And then he punches the kid. And he's like, Oh, I was like, Oh, he's gay. They're like, oh, I didn't know he was gay. And <laughs> right. Like, yeah, funny, feeling modern, but not feeling so, like, afraid of tweets that don't exist. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. It's, man, it's a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's truly so the the uh, the 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 sequence where uh, they um they are forced to take the the HFS, right? Oh, classic, yeah, unfucking believable. Like some of the hardest I've ever laughed, like in a theater. But then, like, mm-hmm. also, that's the thing. That's the crazy thing about Jonah Hill not wanting to do comedy anymore. He's so fucking funny. Like <laughs> the two times that I have laughed the hardest, I think, in a movie. Well, there, there's three times. One is in Game Night, which sure. it doesn't apply. But the other two times for Jonah Hill, it's in the, it's it's this movie, it's that drug thing in this movie, and it's uh it's the uh uh the 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 box of dicks in Superbad. Oh yeah, which, which is just it's it's the way he's telling the story mixed with the visuals. It's just the one of the funniest goddamn things I've ever seen, and, and the fact yeah. that like we everyone had that kid in their class that just couldn't stop drawing fucking dicks. You know, like the relatability yeah. of it and just like all of it. Oh, my God. He's so fucking funny. And I wish he would do more comedies um, than he's willing to do nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, I have respect for what, you know, like as as a filmmaker now. But, yeah, you watch this and like he the the first joke of him being looking like Slim Shady with like the dyed hair and the braces. <laughs> he's just like afraid. He's there's a playfulness to him. And he's like the joke so many times that. I can't think of the last time that, yeah, we've seen that Jonah Hill where he's like in a Peter Pan costume yeah, or like repelling in 22 Jump Street. He's like slowly repelling up the frat house. Right, right, right. Um, um, star yeah. making Dave Franco performance, literally. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, he's so he's so good in this. Uh, Every line. Yeah, he's so good in this. Rob Riggle. Um, like Rob, Rob Riggle is so goddamn funny in this fucking movie. Like the yeah. scene when they're, when they're on drugs and he's like confronting them and he was like, he was like, I don't like that. Put that back in your mouth. He's like, and then he yeah. sees Channing Tatum. He's like, that's pretty good. Like that, oh. <laughs> just him being like, that's pretty good. I like that. It's just so no. funny. <laughs> he's great. This might, I think this is everyone's best movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. But a joke that I don't think I caught before is like, so 
a lot of the students in this love Jonah Hill, but don't like Channing Tatum. But I think all of the faculty hate Jonah Hill or are indifferent to Jonah Hill, but love Channing Tatum. Yes. Because you have Rob Riggle, you have Ellie Kemper. Yeah. That Ellie um, Kemper thing is really funny, too. I, I like yeah. it, that one's really funny. So, so it's like the reverse. She's blindsided the, by him. It, it, she just, yeah. she looks, he's already there. And she's like, yeah. oh, fuck. Oh my God. It, it's the, it's the exact opposite of, of like all the problems I have with the Brie Larson, Jonah Hill thing is, hmm. is completely reversed with the Ellie Kemper thing because it's just like you're like no he's a student I was like ah but he's not that's why right. it's funny well, yeah, <laughs> it's like she she doesn't know that she's not lusting after a teenager and right. that's like we know she's just like clocking a hot adult guy <laughs> yes <laughs> and but the Jonah Hill thing is like you know you're not a teenager yeah you know you're like 27 and she's right. in high school right and that that's not even a, a scene. There's not even a moment where Janko is like, "Dude, that's fucked up. Why are you crushing on Brie Larson? She's in high school. Like that right. doesn't even happen. Because no. why, why would it? It's 2012. Right, right, right. But I, I do. I will say, I do wish. Like, there's a little bit of like a funniness to like Ellie Kemper being like, being like, uh, we both know this is wrong, but we both know that it feels so right, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Like, I wish that she was having a little bit more of an existential crisis about it, where she was like, like "Am I really that kind of person? I never thought I was that kind of person." Right. You know, like, like having like a panic attack about like, it. She's having her own like what's like that Netflix series of right. Like, oh god, uh, a teacher. Yeah. Yeah, like she's wrestling with it the whole movie, and Janko just has no idea. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but, yeah. and Lord and Miller were right. It's fucking delightful watching Channing Tatum make, like, rocket, like, science projects with the nerds. And, yeah. And, like, learning what Bakugan is. Right. And just visually, like, they're all yeah. so much tinier than him. Having him stand amongst, like, a bunch of nerdy children is really funny. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Ice Cube's great in this. I mean, he's great in both of them. Well, let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Would role models have been better with Channing Tatum? As since Sean William Scott? Yeah. I don't know. Well, there's So Sean William Scott is such a precious commodity. Yeah. And so like that's kind of his last great movie, I guess. I guess that, that is true. That is June. true. I, I also I was thinking about American Pie a lot um, mm -hmm. watching these movies, especially when we get to the second one, which I feel like we're about to drift into. Um, but because like American Pie, it, it makes no apologies for the fact that there are four American Pie movies, which I always forget that there's actually four American Pie movies, yeah, but theatrically released American Pie movies, uh, f mm -hmm. future, fran future, extremely cringeworthy <laughs> franchiseography yeah. miniseries, probably yeah. <laughs> um, with, with, with the avalanche of feedback we're getting from the Apatow. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll look uh, for other R-rated raunchy comedy. Yeah, you know? we'll see. We'll see. But it makes no apologies about the fact that it is every single time literally beat for beat remaking the first American Pie. Every single time. It is a right. math equation, an American Pie movie, where it's mm -hmm. like this kind of thing happens, then this kind of thing happens, then this kind of thing happens, then this kind of thing happens. And it's going to happen every, every single time. Stifler's going to gonna eat or drink some sort of bodily fluid 
or substance. That's going to happen in every single movie. Every time. Um, and, you know, like there are four sequences in the, that franchise, one in each movie where that happens. And it's like that it, it, with every sequence in the first movie is repeated in a slightly altered fashion in all of the other ones. Um, and, uh, and, and I love that 22 Jump Street takes that where they're just like, that's really dumb that they did that and never called attention to it. Just made no apologies about it. We're going to do that. But we're going to fucking call us ourselves out every fifteen seconds, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. and I think that's where you can see the Apatowness, the clearing the path of like we because we talked about that early on of how do we get from Ace Ventura, Austin Powers, to Twenty One Jump Street, right? And the bridge of like making the protagonist the joke, playing yeah. in like vulnerability and awkwardness, and having these characters be really human. Right. But then what this movie does is it adds the, the naked gun visual comedy side yeah. that Apatow would sometimes try and do, but never really like, I mean, he never directed a movie. He didn't direct the Anchorman movies. Right, 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 right. Um, I will say, so, so a couple of shout outs to uh, a couple of people. One, um, Nick Offerman is in, it, over across both of these movies, three total scenes, mm-hmm. and they are three of the fucking best scenes in the franchise. Yeah. Like Nick Offerman, absolutely fucking wrecks house in these in these movies. It was really fun seeing the. There is kind of a Lord Miller company. You have Nick Offerman, of course, who played Red Beard, uh, Metal Beard, or whatever yeah, in the Lego right. movies. Uh, Anna Ferris cameos in the Twenty Two Jump Street right. credits. Will Forte does uh, d- does a, previous, a VO role in Twenty Two. Previously on Twenty One Jump Street. Oh yeah, yeah, and he does that as well. Right, yeah, uh, yeah. And you've got Bill Hader as well. Yep, yep. I I have a question, Scott. Speaking of, well, before I forget, do you think more movies, more movie sequels, should have a previously on at the beginning? I I don't hate it. I'll be honest. I don't hate it. Like. Like, imagine, because, yeah, because so they're, like, uh, 22 Jump Street, it's, like, previously on 21 Jump Street, and there's, like, f- 10 seconds right, of, like, major beats of the movie. And I was, like, would John Wick 4 have been worse if it had had that? Or Creed 3? If there had I just think, been some kind of, like, I, hey, just, I you agree know. with you, and I love that. And you know what? Alamo Drafthouse does that. Like if you go see a movie oh, okay. at Alamo Draft House, they they edit together a previously on if it's like part of a franchise, they do that a lot in yeah. their like pre show stuff that they do, um, which I I really respect. Uh, I just wish it wasn't such a pain in the ass to get to the Alamo Draft House in Los Angeles. Sure, no, uh, for sure, yeah. But like, yeah, like imagine if like if you knew if part of the Marvel package, you know, everyone knows you always get a post credit scene. Mm-hmm. If you know, like, well, they always do like a fun little recap right before the movie starts. Yeah. Just kind of like catch you up. Yeah. No, I loved that previously on. I think that was great. Um, Also, shout out to Ice Cube, who is funny and extremely solid in the first movie and Mm -hmm. a goddamn comedic genius in the second one. Um, Yeah, they really... (laughs) They really knock it out of the park with him yeah. in the second one. Yeah. Um, he's he's super great in the first one. Uh, they would feed him improv lines, and he there was a bunch that he was like, I'm not saying that. Um, great. Like, like that one point, they wanted him to be like, hey, say, uh, uh, with all due respect, gargle my nutsack. And he was like, I'm not saying that. 
Um, <laughs> Great. Yeah. And they're like, all right, you don't have to. Okay. All right. All right, Ice Cube. Um, uh, favorite joke I never I never noticed before. Uh, at one point, DeRay Davis is picking up the pinata from Dave Franco. And he says, if it's good, you'll hear from me. If it's not good, you'll hear from me. <laughs> Telling you that it's not good. Yeah. Oh, that was another thing that I... <laughs> That was another thing that I noticed um, that I don't think aged particularly well is when they when they show up, when they when they're like, hey, look at that. Look, it's that it's that biker gang, like, you know, selling drugs like we can we can get them when they're like the one. Yeah. Yeah. When they're cyclist cops and they go after everybody. And the only one that they successfully well, unsuccessfully, but like actually catch and arrest. Right. Um, They don't read him as Miranda wise is the one black guy in the group. Oh yeah, that was the one thing that was like, oh, that that's not a good look. I don't like that. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's yeah. I, think, I just just kind of like I think our appetite in general for like cops being shitheads. Yeah, that's like, very true. Yeah, like when they were dip- like teabagging him and shit. I was just like, oh boy, guys, come on. <laughs> yeah, because that the uh, I mean, I mean, it was it, see, I never saw it. I heard it was like bad, which this movie isn't. But there was that Let's Be Cops movie that came out, right? Um, that, with Jake Johnson, who's in this. Oh, right. Oh, man. Jake Johnson kills his scene, too. Peter B. Parker. Yeah, man. That's good. Um, I also I mentioned this to Bethany while we were watching it. And I was like, I was like, admittedly, I think this movie owes a lot to Hot Fuzz, like a lot to Hot Fuzz, mm-hmm. um, like their whole like police academy montage and. Uh, the the whole like bromance of the two of them, like turning that into like a full blown like romantic subplot almost their right, their friendship. Yeah. Um, I I think a lot of that uh, owes a lot to Hot Fuzz. But then I was like, but Brooklyn Nine Nine owes a lot to this movie. Oh yes, that's yeah. I guess kind of the like the domesticity of like yeah. being a cop. Yeah, and like. They thought it was going to be like an action movie, but it's really boring. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah. one thing I think that Hot Fuzz has on this, because they're—I mean—they're comparable in terms of comedy, in my opinion. But it's just Edgar Wright. I think just when it comes down to the gunfights, sure. That's kind of when we, because yeah, when we get to the action of, of the Jump Street movies, unfortunately, sometimes it does just become kind of by numbers, buddy yeah. cop shootouts. But you don't mind. Yeah, no, you don't mind because like. The the it's not as balanced as Hot Fuzz is. Um, this is very much like a comedy, you know. And so yeah. you're like, ah, yeah, whatever. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's fine. The action is fine. So moving on to Twenty Two Jump Street, um, which came out just two years later in 2014. Uh, this one. Um, you know, Michael Balcala was brought back and and uh, did a 22 Jump Street draft. And then they brought in um, Oren Uziel, who was uh, kind of another another guy that was like doing the water bottle tour and, and taking lots of jobs and things like that. I'm not sure what his. I think he was coming from that. Um, do you remember that Mortal Kombat like web series? Yeah. Yeah. I think he created that. Michael Bacall? No, no. Oren Uzel, Uziel. Oren Uzeli. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Uziel. Oren, Oren Uziel. Uziel. Um, so, so he did a draft on this. Uh, he would go on to do Cloverfield Paradox, 
Um, he worked on a draft of the Mortal Kombat movie. He did Escape Room Tournament of Champions. And then he wrote The Lost City. Um, oh. Yeah. Uh, which was, well, you know, obviously a Channing Tatum joint. Um, and apparently he is uh, in development as the writer on the Supergirl movie. Um, that probably isn't the same one that's actually getting made now. Um, Clue the remake of clue that they've been threatening for a while and sure. uh, detective Pikachu too. Um, I feel like he was attached to something that didn't end up happening um, because of the reaction to par- the Cloverfield paradox, but I don't remember what it was. Um, yeah, but he was one of those guys that like wrote a wrote a spec and then was sort of like, bopping around. I feel like we even talked about him at some point. Didn't in on franchiseography, didn't he come up as a guy that we talked about, like the guy who wrote Cloverfield Paradox writing like a draft of 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 something that we covered in the past. I feel like sure didn't he work on a Star Trek or something? In one hundred episodes, let's see. Or Oren Uziel. I'm gonna do it yeah. right now. Live on franchiseography one hundred. I am on IMDB. Oren yeah. Uziel that's screenwriter. What I'm, that's what I'm looking at too. But uh, you Let's know, see who gets there first. Detective I'm already Pikachu there. Two, <laughs> Freaks of Nature. Um, yeah, I don't know. Let's, yeah. let's say it's Star Trek. That that sounds right. Yeah, I feel. Yeah, maybe it was a Star Trek. Maybe he did a draft of Into Darkness or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, or a Beyond. Maybe he did an early version of that. I don't know. Anyway, um. So he does a draft, and then they bring in uh, their new buddy, Rodney Rothman, uh, to come in and do a draft. Um, And uh, Rodney Rothman, one of the directors on, I believe, both Spider-Verse movies. He's like the only carryover director, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So, so yeah, so they make make 22 Jump Street, and their whole thing with this is like, okay, the last one we were very self-aware about how old you guys looked. We're going to be even more self-aware because we're going to be self-aware about the the about about that, about how we're just repeating the same shit again. Um, we're, we're going to literally beat for beat remake the first one and just change every detail of it uh, and call ourselves out consistently throughout the whole movie. And that's going to be like the ongoing joke of this. Um, and uh, boy, do they do that. They sure do. Um, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. This movie cost exactly twice the budget, $80 million, um, as they call themselves out for uh, in the scene with Nick Offerman, and uh, made $331 million at the box office. This was a, uh, a summer release. Yeah. Cost $40 million more, made $130 more. Because it, it kind of crossed that threshold at the time. I remember in the summer, it felt like the big comedy but also you had like the bad boys two iconography of them, like holding up guns and getting in gunfights and sliding and be banned in Mexico. So right. you also knew you were getting some of that summer action too. Right. Right. Um, I, absolutely. You know, it's just now hitting me, Scott. Well, so big, big subplot in this, maybe leading to some of the film's greatest moments, but you get the subplot of Schmidt dating, uh, Maya, the captain's daughter. Right. From uh 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 Amber Stevens from Greek. Oh, great. Yeah, that's one of your that's one of your, that was a big show for you back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Greek. Um, no idea if it holds up, 
terrified to go back and find out. Um, <laughs> sure. that, that's Boy, when I'm just leaving on the shelf. I'm just like, you know, it's I'm gonna, just I'm a comedy of, about Greek life, Scott. Yeah, I'm going to think of you fondly. Um, I, I'm never going to revisit you. Uh, yeah. But yeah. <laughs> just 08 version of Clark Duke waving at you. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Scott, <laughs> why don't you stay over there? Why, why, why don't you stay over there where you are? Yeah. He's oh, thanking me fondly. And uh, what? uh and what's her name from uh, Rick and Morty? The daughter. The voice of the daughter. Oh, she's in Greek as well? Yeah, yeah. She's uh she's okay. like the sister in Greek. Yeah. Oh nice. Yeah. But it's 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 just hitting me how and I'm not against this, but it, it it's really interesting that you know you have two movies in a row where you have Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum and you focus exclusively on Jonah Hill having a love interest. Right. And it's I guess it's kind of going back to like playing against expectations of like, but then also I'm like, I, I kind of want to see Jenko like be smooth and flirt with a girl or like be awkward around a girl, you know? I, I, yeah, I, uh, I agree with you. And I think that it's, I, I do think it's, I think if you were to do a third jump street, um, that was like these ones, we'll get to the men in black of it all. Cause I have a whole pitch mm-hmm. for that, but but uh, uh, if you do a third Jump Street like this, whether they go to like medical school or le- law school, that was one of the ones that was not in the in the thing at the end. Oh, that's fun. They never did yeah, law right. school, which I was like, is that because they were thinking that might be the one they do? Mm-hmm. You know, um, but uh, uh, I I think I also think I think the best version of a sequel. Well, God, we could go into this, but like for sure, would to, for them to go back to police academy. Oh yeah, like they go to like cop school, but like as fake versions of themselves. <laughs> and oh, to, oh, as 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 Doug, as the brothers Doug and yes, and whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they have to go to cop school to like figure something out that's happening at the police academy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah like a, a cadet overdoses you know? right 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 just like the ultimate like yeah uh, uh full swing around um but yeah no i i think uh uh in terms of like the meta commentary of it all is i think if you do another one if you did another one that was just a standard jump street movie like this i think you turn you do every beat again but you do all of them the opposite. Like it's like we're like they're gonna turn about face on every single point. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because yeah, because there's there's times when the repeatingness is funny, or I think it works. Yeah, the meta ness. But then you get instances like Maya, where it's not only like another love interest interest for Jonah Hill. It's kind of just copy and paste, where it's like yeah. a nice girl that he meets, and they have flirty monta like you know you get to hear him on the phone back and forth and kind of being funny and then it's like this is the same dynamic right it like, is give us yeah i like i don't think there is that big of a gap in quality between this the second one and the first one but i th- i just think 22 jump street ends up being a lot less memorable than the first one i i i mostly agree to me it is a it is a half star below the first okay. one um like it, it's like it's like barely worse, you know, but I think it is like mm-hmm. mildly worse. Um, but because I also think that like, look, I, I love Wyatt Russell, but I got to be honest. He, he's not as good as Dave Franco, like he's not as like fun and charming and like fun to be around as Dave Franco. And I think right. it is because which this movie is like trying to like tell you is like he's too much like 
Channing Tatum in this so that it's like kind of boring to be around them both. Like it's it's cute that they're both himbos, but it's like you don't really know anything about him other than that, really. Right. Yeah. Not that it, it is kind of the same. The issue that I sort of have with Maya, which is it's just like a kind of less a copy of a of the of, of the dynamic we saw in the first movie. And it is less like. As much as I don't like the high school angle of the Brie Larson thing, I think Brie Larson and Jonah Hill are cuter together. Right. Like, they're able to slip into, like, I think I feel like they just, they do more together. You have that whole arc yeah. of her getting more comfortable around him. She sees him do Peter Pan. Oh, my God. Just like the way Maya sees him do beat poetry. Yeah. Literally everything, dude, including tracking the guys while one of them is busy doing doing something else and has to get back to the thing that they have to do right in the first one it's peter pan and this one it's a football game but they're tracking the bad guys it's the bad guys from the opening of the movie that they're seeing again and they have to hide by acting like one is sucking the other one's dick right it's exactly the same (laughs) so listener and and scott (laughs) Uh, I to prepare for this episode, I did something I, I, I normally try not to do if I can avoid it. Uh, I, I marathon both of these in a row this morning. Oh, wow. Uh, normally, I like to just like watch one one night and then watch one. Couldn't do it this week. Yeah. No time. Yeah. No time. So I am. I have I, I just have like a Mobius strip of just <laughs> the both of these is running in my head right now. <laughs> That's good. But. You're right. And I, I think there were there are moments of 22 individually that land really hard. Like, you know, Schmidt fucked the captain's daughter is mm-hmm. a great moment. Um, my name is Jeff is such a that yeah. is uh, the comedic genius of that fucking line is like mm-hmm. I, I, I've, I, you know, that is like a legendary story. Right. In terms yeah. of like he was exhausted right off of his plane from shooting another movie. Maybe right. didn't even have time to like go to whatever room or apartment he was staying in. And that is like then they threw improv at him. And that is just like pure brain vapor. Yes. <laughs> My name's Jeff. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, I don't even know what accent that is. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck is going on. And it's, you know, the most memorable joke in the movie, arguably. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I like the Lucas brothers. They were fun. Yeah. Twins. They were, they were fun. I think their best scene is the scene where they're trying to decide who she should shoot. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was fun. That that was the best. I think that was the best scene. The other scenes were just like, yeah, okay. Like they're, they're like a fun vibe to have for a second. Yeah. They're in, it doesn't have as much to say about college as 21 Jump Street had to say about high school. No, and the reason that it doesn't is because they didn't go to college, so they can't, like, there's no compare and contrast happening. Yeah, because in the first movie, you have that really clean, like, oh, before in the 2000s, Tatum ruled high school, but now in the 12s, Hill sensitivity and weirdness, that kind of vibes better with kids now, isn't that, let's have fun with that. Whereas, like, the college experience that they're having is literally just their college experience. Like, oh, like, the friends that you had in high school, like, you can grow apart and, like, have other friends and other interests because that's what happens in college. It's like, you learn who you are, and it's, like, literally just them having their college experience. Like, that is the joke. I had a thought, Scott, and this is great. It's great that we brought up Greek because I think you've seen more college TV than I have. Okay. So... A common argument, a very worthwhile argument that people have now with uh, teen shows, teen media is, hey, 
and kind of going back to Joan Hill and Brie Larson is like, we tend to romanticize relationships with young girls. Yes. Like pretty little liars, other shows like that, where it's like teen or, or teens having sex. Like, why are we sexualizing teens so much? Why aren't there more shows in college? College is perfect for that. Cause you're in your nine, you're 19, you're 21 years old, but you're having sex and you're doing all this crazy stuff and you're growing as a person. Right. right and right. so, but then there are shows like Sex Lives of College Girls or like this. And I'm like, oh, wait, is is college as fertile a ground for fun shenanigans as high school in terms of structurally? You know, yeah, is there too much freedom in college. That's the, I think that is the problem is like I think there is too much freedom. I also think that for as many people who do go to college, I think it is not it is still not a universal experience the way that high school yes. is. It's privileged. Right. It is it is privileged. However mild at this point, it is still a privilege, right? Um and yeah, so so I do think that there are some problems with college. I and, think yeah. the best thing that you could do is you start a show in high school and then when you when the characters go to college, Half the co- characters go to one college, half the characters go to the other college, go to another college, and the high school show ends, and you branch off two spinoffs that each take place at different colleges with those characters. You know, I think yeah, that, I have always wanted to see something like that. I think that would be cool. It's so weird how, like, that, how underrepresented that experience is. Yeah, in media of yeah. like the per the kid who goes to like a small like state like not even state school but just like commuter school yeah and just takes classes i don't know like i know that's not as like sexy as like the revenge of the nerds college fantasy that this movie's sort of having fun with right but yeah it just feels like they don't know every time they're at they're at a college they're kind of like i we there's a party yeah right 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 and you're i think you're right there's too much freedom because to be perfectly honest when you're in college classes are an afterthought because yeah they don't take up your whole day. Like, they just don't. Like, you might have three classes a day, you know, at, at most. You know, you might have three classes on Monday, Wednesday, Mondays and Wednesdays. You might have two classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays, and that's it, you know? Like, most people don't have classes on Fridays. Like, that's that's the real college experience, you know? And that's yeah. not exciting from a structural place, you know? And then Schmank, Janko and Schmidt went to the lake for a weekend. <laughs> yeah with right. your friends yeah i will say i want to give uh credit where credit's due um the scene with Patton oswald oh great is the most accurate portrayal of a college professor i think i've ever seen captured on film that was my first note on the on this one was like Patton oswald so great for out of nowhere no for yes. no reason yeah God, he's so good in that scene. The only part of that that I don't love is like him being like, I have tenure. They can't fire me. I can say anything. I'm having sex with two of my students. Really? They're right here. Like that part. I was like, no, no, no. You'd lose your job. Like you, like you can't, (laughs) you can't do that. That's tenure is only so powerful. You, they can't fire you for your ideas. They absolutely can fire you for uh, your, your fucking sexual antics. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think the movie goes hard enough on that promise. It would be really cool to see Janko, like a college kid, really like express like, I'm going to try being an art kid or I'm going to try doing theater or I'm going to like get into like maybe I'll like be an ape, you know, do all these crazy different like identity crisis stuff. Yeah. Instead, because... he goes back to like what he always was. So he re- actually regresses from the first 21 Jump Street 
Because 21 Jump Street, he, like, makes friends with the nerds because that's where he belongs now. Um, Who all return in this movie as Jump Street, like, tech guys. IT IT crowd, yeah. Yeah. The IT team, Um, which was really fun. But uh, I love them force choking each other. That was really cute. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I noticed uh, Junior Junior, played by Riri, comes back. Fugazi, played by Dakota Johnson, does not come back. I can only assume that means she uh, was killed in action. Right. Right. R.I.P. I never clocked that Jonah mm. Hill, that Schmidt's first name is Morton. Oh, yeah. You're, there's a moment in, in the sequel where I think when they're tripping and Jonah Hill's like, Janko, where are you? And I was like, is that the first time anyone has said his name in both of these movies? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, but his name is Morton Schmidt. Morton, Morton Schmidt. Horrible name. I, I I really I really feel bad for him. That's 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 rough. That's rough, man. <laughs> yeah, it's unfortunate they they don't have the Riggs and Murtaugh. Like, it not, you know, the names don't roll off the tongue the way you'd want them to. No. Crockett although although J- Janko and Schmidt, that's like a nice. I like that. You know, no, Janko the, and Schmidt. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Janko and Schmidt is pretty good. Um. Uh, uh, shout out to Peter Stormare, um, right? Who yep. just always shows the fuck up. He's the he's game for anything. I fucking love Peter Stormare. Don't do anything. Oh man, so good. Um, Wyatt Russell, as we mentioned, very likable, just not as charismatic as as uh, uh, as uh, yeah. You got uh, the guy from American Vandal showing up, Dave Franco. Yeah, Jimmy, Jimmy Tatro, I think. Right, which. For a second, for a hot second, I was like, oh, no, is that the guy from Glee? And then I was like, oh, no, it's not. Because he had the faux hawk, the dyed faux hawk, like the guy from Glee. And I was like, oh, no. And then I was like, oh, right, it's that guy. Okay. He was, you know, doing a little 21 Jump Street himself on American Vandal because he's played a college kid like five years before he plays a high school kid again. That's funny. (laughs) It's... It's weird. Yeah, it, it there there there's I I don't know. There's like times where the age stuff like I don't think Jillian Bell roasting Jonah Hill about his age constantly plays well because to me they they look exactly the same age. I so this is the movie that introduced the world to Jillian Bell. Um I think, From, uh, right? Are, you know, you weren't a workaholics fan? No. I don't know anything. Okay. I I had never heard of her before this movie. Okay, no, um, yeah, I'm sure. but I do know. I do know that the thing that the reason that she was cast is because they brought her in for a screen test with Jonah Hill, and they did improv, and she he literally couldn't keep up with her and would get frazzled. And they were like, "Oh, we have to cast her. This is fucking crazy." <laughs> she would just wreck his shit. Um, at improv and and it like totally threw him every time that's that's awesome that 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 makes sense now watching the movie because there's extended periods where they just let her do her thing for like a, a, like a like 98 to 100 seconds yeah yeah and yeah yeah it happens I, twice I think, while she's just like sitting on her bed staring at it yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. just like no, just we're just gonna let her go. And also, all the thing where she tries, she goes for a kiss in the slap mm-hmm. fight, that was not scripted. She just did that in the improv, and Jonah Hill was like, "Whoa, what are you doing?" And like that, that whole um, that whole exchange, all of that happened because she just like tried something. 
um, in the improv, which I fucking I love that. I I so, love I love an improv that isn't like that isn't like a dialogue driven improv because you don't see it a lot. You know what I mean? Right. You 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 forget that that is part of it as well. Right. That, that is right. also improv is like you're just going with someone without knowing where they're going. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it can be physical. It could be. Uh, so do you think she does? She gets closer to matching Rob Riggle than the other characters are at matching their 21 Jump Street counterparts? No. Okay. No. Rob Riggle is so fucking good. I mean, he's yeah. so fuck. His one scene in this with Dave Franco. God damn it. Yeah, it's. I don't know. I it is. It is insane to me that that scene. I feel like nothing happens in that scene that feels like offensive. Like they, the comedy of it is so balanced in a way that like it's not making fun of anyone. Like it's not like there's nothing there that like feels mean spirited. Because it's just so. uh, it's just so weird and like the actors are just like Franco and Riggle are just so bouncing off each other. So yeah, <laughs> yes. that it's, it, you're kind of just blindsided by it and yeah, you're just laughing. Yeah. None of it really hits you necessarily as like ugly or like, like, uh, you know, it's just, yeah. what the fuck? This is so, <laughs> this is so yeah. fucking crazy. <laughs> Franco's a great, Franco's a great straight man. He's a great bouncing board of just like, I'm supposed to go to Berkeley. Yeah. Also, in case anyone was curious, uh, Rob Riggle's uh, penis was uh, a a, uh, a a banana cut in half and covered in stage blood. Oh, okay. That's that's yeah, that's, also, it, that's what it was. The thing that he was like trying to pick up with his mouth. That's what that was. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. It's <laughs> it's lit. It's very lit, it's lit in a way that you don't pick up, like the blood. You know what I mean? Like it, yeah, it yeah. plays. Yeah, absolutely. Like well, and I think the blood just mixes with the color of the banana and becomes kind of fleshy looking. Uh, okay. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, like a lot of fun. It's, it's, you know, I, I don't think it, it doesn't, I don't remember it as vividly as 21 Jump Street. I think it kind of sags a little bit in the middle. Yes. I don't think it lands the like, oh, Schmidt's dragging me down. Like. They don't for some reason the 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 Schmidt Janko relationship it isn't as well defined to go, I guess to compare it to like uh, Nick and Danny and Hot Fuzz right like who are these two to each other right I yeah I wish like I like we get a little sense of that but it's so surface level of like opposites attract like that's where our fire comes from you know and you're like yeah okay, okay. like I I want us like I'd like to see that a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. and not for nothing, but I don't, I, I don't think I can forgive, uh, I don't, I don't think I can forgive Janko for not showing up to Schmidt's 30th birthday. Like it's yeah, celebrating wow. his 30th birthday by himself. That sucks. Pretty cold. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you know it's one Brie Larson. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's, Are I, you... I, yeah, I like I like, you know, what they were trying to what they were like kind of dancing around. Like as much as I like all of the meta like repetitive stuff, you know, like in this instead of the the explosions that keep not happening. Um it's like we can't show anything because like it's we can't wreck anything cuz it's too expensive and it's like We ran out of money. They, yeah, we ran out of money. So they they do a chase sequence where they keep going into buildings that we don't see and then they come out and they're like you know, blowing wow. chickens out of their face or whatever. And they're like, wow, that was yeah. a lot of expensive stuff in there. Yeah. It's, it's a little Wayne's world too. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, a little bit. 
Um, it's fun, uh, but like all of that repetitive stuff is really fun and silly. But I think it takes away from giving this movie a story of its own. I guess because like yeah, the fuck, I like the moment where you just like. You just stay in your in your fake persona and and go to college and play football and have a happy life. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? He's 30 years old. What are you talking about? You can't do that. Slap some fucking sense into him. Yeah, he's acting like like a moron. Like knowing that this is Lord and Miller, I think they could have done better than like, wow, sequels. Am I right? Yes, I agree. But also they didn't write it. You know, that's That's true. That's true. Um, I think if they had more of a hand in the screenplay, maybe they maybe they might have. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it's still a super solid sequel. Like, it's really fun and great to watch, you know, yeah. much, much better than something like Men in Black. Right. Which had like a terrible sequel. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Like I would I would watch. Yeah. Half half the half the this is better than half the Men in Black movies. Absolutely. Without a doubt. I, know, I think it's better than more than half. I think, this is, I think both of these are better than Men in Black 3. Yes, definitely. Um, and <laughs> so I like Men in Three, but I agree. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Do you want to go into what you or what do you want to talk about? Like, what a reboot franchise potential or anything at all? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Because like I, you know, they've been trying to get they they tried to get a an all female version. It was like uh, Twenty One Jump Street for her pleasure or something like that was what mm-hmm. it was called. And great title. Fucking what a stupid title. <laughs> I don't know. I hate that title, um, but it was going to be uh, Aquafina and um, Zendaya. Zendaya could still do a Jump Street movie, like still she still looks like a high schooler. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, Aquafina and Zendaya. That's a really fucking funny pairing. I got to be honest. I think I'm. I think I'm over the Aquafina shtick. Like I'm ready for her to like. Do other stuff now, like do be be other characters now. Oh, you know, you know what? That, that, I'm glad you said that because another thing is I, something I appreciated watching this because I think of this as like one of Jonah Hill's great movies. Yeah, is this was kind of a different shade for him. Yeah, because we know watching the Apatow movies, he's normally the big, loud, abrasive, angry, confident guy. Not confident, but like you know, aggressive. Yes, and. Schmidt, especially in the first one, is very like awkward and he's Hill's really good at leaning back and letting Tatum get the big laughs and him just kind of being like, <laughs> like, just like that's all he that's all he needs to do is just react. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I, I so would really be seeing Aquafina served in a different way, too. Yes, I, I agree. If she did it and she did it in a different way, I think that would be fun. Like letting Zendaya be like the funny character would be a really interesting like swing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if... that I trust anyone but Lord and Miller to do that, though. That's the problem. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, the Ocean's 8 problem where I'm like, I feel like there's a version of Ocean's 8 where you mix up all of these actors into different characters. And this movie is a million times more interesting. Right. Yeah. 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 Y- you know, I think well, like you said, Scott, like Zendaya could still like go to a high school and pass as a high schooler. Like that'd be like if that's the joke of her, her character is so good so quick so quickly it becomes like training day or like apocalypse <laughs> now that'd be so good yeah it's like you gotta Aquafina, you gotta take her out she's become like a kingpin yeah oh man that's so good um 
Another, but yeah, so, uh, so they've been trying to get that off the ground. I don't mm. know if that's going to happen. Uh, just last year, Channing Tatum said never say never on the MIB 23 thing. He was like, I still think it could work. So the producer that we talked about on Men in Black, and I think we mentioned this before when we talked about Men in Black, um, mm. when we got to that, the end of that miniseries. I think we talked about, what was that producer's name? The guy, the, the guy that was getting in everyone's way. Um, oh, God damn it. Um. Michael uh, Parks? Is that? Yeah, Michael Parks. Yeah, yeah. So so Michael Parks, I can't believe I pulled that out of my ass. No, good. Um, good Michael, so 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 Michael I think Parks. It's Walter Parks. Walter Parks? I think I think it might be Walter Parks. Okay. I don't know. I know it's but Parks. Parks. It's the producer. Yeah. Anyway, the the that that guy, the Parks guy, um he uh uh he nixed the MIB 23 thing because he was like no the reason that Men in Black works is because uh, it is people, it is non-comedic people reacting to the craziness of the Men in Black universe. That's what makes the Men in Black movie work. It was um, Walter Parks. Walter Parks. Okay. Um, so, so Walter, good job. So, so Walter Parks, I got the Parks thing right. I was halfway yeah. there. Um, we did it, yeah, we did it together. <laughs> that's, that's called teamwork. Um, that's why we work. That's why we, <laughs> you make me fly or whatever, whatever Jonah Hill says. So, so Walter Parks, that was his, that's his opinion of the men in black franchise is like, that's what makes it work is it's normal people reacting to the insanity of the men in black universe. Right. Um, and the problem with putting Schmidt and Jinko in that world is that they are comedic personalities in and over the top universe. And so it's too much is what he thinks. Like the balance yeah. isn't right. And for a long time, when I saw that explanation, I think we talked about this on the Men in Black thing. I, I was like, you know, like maybe he's right. Maybe that maybe that is what it is. Maybe that's what makes it work. I don't think he pulled that off in in uh, Men in Black International and and got in F. Gary oh. Gray's way a lot um, mm -hmm. in terms of like you know uh, any sort of creative choices whatsoever. Um, he ba basically backseat directed that entire movie. Uh, that that movie that most people have forgotten even exists. Um, yeah. But we did, uh, yeah. But um, in terms of a Men in Black twenty three, I think the way that you do it is, yeah, you get them inducted into the Men in Black, right? And you give them their names, like you know, uh, I guess a a M and uh, D. Is his name Doug? Doug Jinko? The, well, well, that's his. Well, Doug is Jonah Hill's cover name. Oh. Okay, I forget. It's something like that. It's not. It's not Brad because that's his fake name. Um, now I forget what his first name is. Uh, and of course, it just says Jenko. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Thank you. Very helpful. It, uh, I think it says. Yeah, Greg. It is Greg. It's Greg. Greg Jenko. Yeah. You're yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. So there we go. So Greg. So 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 G and M. I guess would be their names. Um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and. Uh, uh, you have them join the Men in Black, and they're like, "Yes, we're Men in Black. This is going to be crazy. We're going to do this cra this crazy thing." And then the first thing they do is get assigned to other partners. Oh wow! And that's the movie. The movie is them as Men in Black doing this Men in Black thing, but with different partners, and what that does to them. And then in the end, they have to like come back together to be like the ultimate like Men in Black team. Is like yeah. the two of them together doing their thing because they're like we're not going to put two rookies together. That's insane. Why would we do that? That's that's that. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. You go with yeah. Aquafina. You go with Zendaya. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
Um, I think that's the way that you do that movie. I think. Um, yeah. And, and I, I, and that's, I a fun, that's a fun poster of like them each being a part of a different MIB team looking at each other like, no, I want to be with you. Yeah. Honestly, fuck it. Bring back uh, fucking Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson and they yeah, each go like with them. one of them. Yeah, you know? sure. Yeah, fuck it. Who cares? You know, it's a mulligan. We're like, yeah. okay. <laughs> I mean, if they could get if they could get Will Smith back, that would be a huge coup. Right. I feel like if you could get Will Smith back and you can get him to play the Emma Thompson Zed but Jay role, has now become yeah. Yeah. I feel like you do that and you have so you, then you have him as the fucking ice cube. Like, oh, character? yeah, like Will Smith, Jay dressing down Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum for being idiots. Fuck, come on. Yeah. That is a good movie. Like, that's that's a movie yeah. I want to see. Here's my question. Who directs that movie? Because uh, James Bobbin was attached to 23 Jump Street or, or, or MIB 23. Um, yeah. The version that didn't get off the ground. But I don't love um, that because I think that he is a director who is entirely dependent on the material that he's directing. Mm -hmm. Like the Muppets is great. Muppets most wanted fine. Um, but that, uh, he made that Alice, Alice do the looking glass movie. Yeah. And fuck that. Uh, (laughs) so, you know, I mean, this, this feels kind of like a, like a layup, but, uh, John Francis Daly, Jonathan Goldstein. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's who you get. That's it. And and honestly, they need a fucking like hit hit. In fact, yeah. I don't care what they do with Men in Black next. I think they should direct it. Whatever it Just is, whatever, whatever you guys do next, yeah, yeah, give it to them. Just give it to them. Like that'll be a huge hit because you'll have the notoriety of Men in Black, and it'll be a fucking great movie if they're involved. Yeah, because think about the creatures in D and D, the animatronics, the yep. world building. Yep, straight. That was all played. Yep, yep. They're the perfect choice for an X Men in Black. Jump Street crossover or not, I think they're the perfect choice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, oh I had another idea. Could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine Jesse Plemons in a Men in Black movie? Oh my God! Yeah, it's like a weird alien. He should be the villain. He should be the villain. Boom. Oh my God! We did it. We did it again. Come on. <sighs> um, this point, I, I just want to ha- produce movies. <laughs> like, just let right? me put just the, let me put the pieces together. And, yeah, you know, let be let him be. You want to be the man in the tank? Just kind of pushing balls together. Yeah, yeah. Just like setting them up. Yeah. Oh man. Anyway, um, I uh, I had half an idea for like if of like what would happen because it's always like oh like you have to go undercover as students, but there's never what if they went undercover as teachers? Mm, yeah. Is that um, as funny though? That's the problem. I don't think so. I don't know. Yeah. Cuz like Cuz I was like, "Oh, Jennifer Lawrence would be fun on one of these." Right. Definitely. Now that she's in her comedy era. The um that was one of the ones like so in that big riff thing of like they brought in they brought in uh, Ice Cube and 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 uh the, the two of them and they like did that whole riff off of like all the different right. sequels that they do. Um yeah. of all of those I think the the least interesting one is the retirement home one because I'm like mm-hmm. that's not even a school like what the fuck yeah. yeah I was like I think the joke should be that they're all schools why is there a retirement home one I don't know yeah that's a one joke yeah I liked the Seth the Seth Rogen like contract dispute yeah. one that was that was that good. was good yeah <laughs> it 
it feels it, it just kind of watching that end credit sequence it's as surprising as it is that there hasn't been a sequel it also feels like you get the sense that that was them burning all the rubber definitely i well i feel like i get the sense that that was lord and miller burning all the rubber mm-hmm. um and but be Sony? like, we're not going to do another one of these. But, like, that doesn't mean that you guys... It's fucking crazy that this is their last live-action movie. I was thinking that, too. How crazy it is that they haven't... They've had such success in the producing realm. Yeah. Like, with Spider-Verse. But, yeah, they they tried making Solo after this, and then that kind of burned them from directing, yeah. seemingly. It's been almost 10 years since they've had a live-action feature film. They... One of them, they didn't direct as a team on the after party, right? Right, right. That was just Miller. So it's like the Clone War, Clone Wars, Clone High, uh, Last Man on Earth. Right. Spider-Verse, of course, Spider-Verse 2. Right. So which which they didn't direct. No, no. Those are all producing yeah. credits. So crazy. Um, um, they tried to direct that uh, Peter Weir novel, Artemis, about the moon. Right. And that's not happening that now go? or that ever, that ever or is yeah. it probably stuck in limbo? I don't know. Um I miss them. I miss them behind the camera. I do too. I wish it feels like they're trying to like, no, 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 we want to grow. And I was like, guys, it's past that. Like if you had gotten solo off the ground, if that had happened, then you know, that would have been good timing because that would have been like five years later or whatever. But mm-hmm. like it's been long enough. You need to do another comedy. Like, like I, I, it seems like they don't want to, but like that's what they need to do is do another live action comedy, high concept comedy, and then, then like if that's a hit, then they can move on and do something else again. But I think it's just been too long. It's been almost ten years. It's it's interesting. I think it seems like a problem a lot of filmmakers working at that level face of like. I think I know there was this Edgar Wright quote where he was like, at the end of the day, I'm just going to wish I had made more movies. Yeah. Like, I just want to make more. I know I think that about Sam Raimi a lot, which is yeah. like every few months it's like, I'd, I'd make a Batman movie. Fuck it. Hire me. I'd. Yeah. I, I, w- I want to direct something. And Hollywood's like, all right. Please. Good to know. I had please. a good hit. I'm really good at it. You guys all like that Doctor Strange thing I did, please. Yeah. Now we know. We'll see you in 10 years. Oh God. Um see closing thoughts on the Jump Street duology, Scott. I love these movies and I desperately want another one. Um I really do. And uh maybe that's selfish of me. Maybe uh, you know. I, I and I feel like Channing Tatum does. I don't think Jonah Hill cares as much. Um yeah. I think he's kind of the Bill Murray in this situation. Yeah. But uh but sub sur- golfing for surfing. <laughs> right right um but yeah I, I do think he's the bill murray of the situation i think channing tatum is really open to another one because i think he thinks these are really fun um and you know Shh. they pay well you got yeah. fucking goddamn people show up for these there's something funny the idea of schmidt being dead and there being like an Iceman style like <laughs> portrait of schmidt in the lobby of the jump street lobby that makes me laugh that does that does make me laugh, yeah. Um, man, but I don't know who you get to replace him, you know? Yeah, because it would have to be you would want it to be another curveball, another like surprise. The way that the first the first Jump Street movie felt like a big surprise, right? Right. Um, I think that's Aaron why they're Styles. trying to do the female centric one because they're like, 
I you know I don't think we can go Girls. back to these guys, so let's do something different. You know, let's do another another yeah. thing. Um, I don't know. You know, you know what I'd like instead of Aquafina though. I think I think Stephanie Shu would be good. I think that would be a better. I was like, as like with the, Zendaya, uh, you know, as are we still going with like she gets in too deep and becomes like Denzel? Maybe, well, maybe, day? maybe, yeah. I mean, I do like that. I think that's funny. <laughs> okay. um, um, oh well, yeah, I, I mean, there. That's that's what you do. You fu- that's that's fucking hilarious. And he has this relationship with Sony. You get fucking uh, Channing Tatum is training Tom Holland. Tom oh, Holland. Yeah. Tom Holland Dude. is the fucking new recruit to Jump Street, uh, and Channing yeah, Tatum like, has to go and act like a teacher while he's a student. Yeah, and that's how you mix it up. He's like you bring mentor. Ellie Kemper back. He has a. He's. She's like you remind me of this student. That you know, like you, you oh, can do yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, or like, or he wouldn't even have to lie. He'd be like, "No, I was that student, and now I'm a teacher." Yeah, and. And to, yeah, and it's like we've we've bred. He's the perfect. He's like twenty eight. Look at him. He looks fourteen. Yeah, he could be doing yeah. this for ten years. Yeah, man. It's like the yeah. He's like Tom, the yeah, Angel. that I, that's like the perfect choice for another Jump Street. I think it's like Tom Holland. Even because you can even you could even if you know we don't want to kill off Jonah Hill. Even if Jonah Hill was like, yeah, I'll come back for that. Like you just make them both teachers, but you like have you go back to high school and you have Tom Holland. Being like the new fresh recruit that they're sort of like looking over. They're like they're like his handlers. Yeah, um, yeah, for yeah. sure. That's how you do the teacher plot line, I think, that you Definitely. that you brought up. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, and yeah, and it's just like the idea of him being just really hyper good at it. Yeah. Or or kind of like to have fun of like, hey, you know, you always have to be Peter Parker, you know, can't can't smoke in public. What if this kid was just like a fucking animal? <laughs> yes. <laughs> just drugs sex all yeah of it. <laughs> that's funny <laughs> uh, uh, well good i'm glad i'm glad it was it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun marathoning these and uh returning back to this this world this and if they world. ever if they ever do to make another one men in black or not we get to cover it on as a bonus right feature, so. it's in the books now yeah yeah indeed um all right well that's jump street uh I guess we are moving on to our franchise rankings. I believe so. All right. Um, so so right off the bat, so we have 13 franchises, including Apatow. Right off the bat, I'm throwing Apatow at number 13 in like an unranked position because we're not done yet. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm like, yeah, we're not done yet. I don't really know how I'm going to feel by the end of this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we haven't we haven't we haven't. <laughs> Travel through the bubble yet. Um, so, you know, the idea of any of these being beaten by Judd Apatow for you is really funny to me. <laughs> yeah, but but it's just it's it's unranked. It's it's sitting respectfully sure. at 13 unranked right now. Right. Respectfully. So, yeah. Um, all right. So, so so what about you off mic? You yeah. mentioned this is kind of in terms of how much fun we personally got out of these episodes. Right. Like each the mini series, series. Sh- I, I, I'm I'm less. I want to less rank the franchises themselves and more rank the fun we had revisiting them for the show. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. you know, otherwise it's like that. It just seems so. So pl- feels, yeah, I don't know. It feels a little more arbitrary. I think. Like, mm, I think Men in Black's better than Jurassic Park, but it's not better than Pirates. Like, what are we? What are we doing? 
Yeah. So I'm I'm just going to instead of doing like our slow roll rank, I think I just want to like run them down because I mean, I think we've yeah. talked a lot about these franchises, so it's mm. fine. Um but uh I'm going to go so so my number 12 is is Spy Kids. Um but the thing is haven't had a bad time really with any of these, you know? So it really is just like uh, that fourth one just did me dirty. So, so, so dirty that like, so, Scott, real quick, I'm yeah. going to just read the ones I have on my phone. Yeah. Tell me if I'm missing any. Okay. So not counting Judd Apatow. Right. Matrix, X-Men, Spy Kids, Twilight, Star Trek, Wes Anderson, Men in Black, Jurassic Park, Evil Dead, Pirates of the Caribbean, Rocky, Scream. I think that's it. I mean, I don't know what order you were reading those in, but um okay. I think I, I think I have them all. I think that's I think that's all of them. I don't know. There's 12. So yeah, so my number 12 is Spy Kids, my number 11 mm-hmm. is Men in Black. Um okay. the back half the back half of that was just not a fun not a fun time. I love that first no. one, but Fun episodes to record. Fun, yeah, fun episodes, but like the movies, they were not a fun revisit. It was more like depressing and distressing than anything. Right. Um, then The Matrix, which I was excited to revisit, but like I think ultimately, I don't know, that I, miniseries didn't quite do it for me um, on that Oh, one. Yeah. Yeah, just just like the covering of it, like like yeah, we had. I think we I think we did a good time. We had some good, uh, interesting discussions. But um, I was a little bummed out by how quiet everyone was when that one came out. Like our listeners weren't really interacting <laughs> with us for like five weeks because um, like nobody followed yeah. us down that down that road. I don't think. I think compared to like we said, like really great discussions, really great conversations, and you know, the, the, I love those movies, but I don't remember looking thinking about it right now i don't remember what i really learned or discovered that i didn't really already know yes yes i agree with that i agree with that um number nine pirates of the caribbean Mm -hmm. uh there was a really rough one in there um it was really fun it was really fun to revisit most of them except for that one um yeah and you even had a nice surprise ending where we both kind of liked that last one so yeah one of the biggest surprises in the show, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, number eight, Evil Dead. Uh, similar reasons to The Matrix, where it was very quiet for the, from the listeners. And um, I don't think we learned a lot in that. Like, it I was, was like, more... Boy, these are great. Yeah, these sure are great. Um, and, and they are. Uh, number seven, uh, this, this... Now we get into... Once we're, once we're here... Right. The rest of these are basically neck and neck for me. <laughs> Starting right. with seven, which is the Jurassic franchise. That was so oh, fun. Yeah. Going through those. that was that was so fun going through those. Um, I felt like, you know, we had to play defense a lot, especially with the world movies. Um, mm-hmm. But also like the companion miniseries on franchise potential was really fun to do. Um, all those so Crichton just, movies. Yeah, it was just a good time all the way through, I think. Um, got to read, uh, got to finally read um, uh, Duel of the Fates, you know? That's right. Yeah, that was, that was, that Book was a of fun Henry. time. Yeah. Both of our like favorite movie. Yeah. Number six, Twilight. Um, what a fucking jam that was. I mm. 
had so much fun going through those movies. Um, so, so much fun. Uh, number five, X-Men. That was a fun revisit. I wow, really had, number five. Yeah, I had a great time going through those. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. The research was fun. I loved like going back and forth with you on research. You know, um, mm-hmm. we had a lot of really great guests that miniseries. Uh, that was really great. Number four, Wes Anderson. Um, I hadn't watched those movies in so long, so revisiting them all was like a really fun time and like taking that journey with Wes Anderson as a director and mm-hmm. um, sort of uh, it was a little more of an introspective miniseries and I and I really I, I had a really great time with that one. Uh, funny, number yeah. three was Star Trek. I just love those movies. I love that world. Um, uh, I loved your research on the original stuff. I love doing research on the next gen stuff. Um, it was a really good time. Number two, Rocky. Uh, that was great. Like I had a really good time doing <laughs> that miniseries, you know, like, uh, and, and, um, those movies, I just love talking about them. I loved, uh, sort of our angle on them, which is a way of talking about the Rocky movies that doesn't get, you know, you don't hear talking points about Rocky the way I think we talk about them very much. Um, yeah. in like a non, a non like macho aggressive way. Um, you know, it's, it's, he's a, he's a lovable goofball and I, I love talking about the movies that way. And then number one, uh, scream, which I'm just most proud of that miniseries, I think, because I just, I, I really think I killed it on the research side of that miniseries. Really proud of the work I did on that one. Um, I love the, the cursed episode that we did. Right. Yeah. Um, (laughs) and just like overall, I think I found stuff out about the screen franchise I had never known before and had always been curious and doing all of that research was, uh, I think we put together, I mean, a, a definitive, uh, behind the scenes look at those movies, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so and, yeah, and that was like our, and so early in our show's history too. Yeah. It was the first, it was the first, uh, mini series that I researched. Um, mm-hmm. you had done men in black right before that, but yeah. Uh, so that's that's yeah. my ranking. Um, uh, Scream, Rocky, Star Trek, Wes Anderson, X-Men, Twilight, Jurassic, Evil Dead, Pirates, The Matrix, Men in Black, Spy Kids, Apatow Unranked. Wow. What about you? What a what a journey we've been on. Uh, just going to run through these, not overthink it too much. Uh, down at the bottom, again, just kind of in terms of, because there has to be one at the bottom, I'm going to say Evil Dead. Okay. Uh, love going through those movies. Love talking about them with you. And we had such incredible guests. And, but like looking back, it's like, yeah, we kind of just, we talked about the Evil Dead movies. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And, no, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. In retrospect, like some of, like one of the, one of the sickest lineup of guests we've had on the show. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Really good lineup. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, right after that, The Matrix. Um, I think I just have such fun talking about, the philosophy and spirituality of those movies with different people mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and rewatching them all in such a short length of time, which I hadn't done really made me appreciate the storytelling at work. Yeah. And I love the fourth one and I don't think I'm going to be in a place to rewatch it again for a long time. So I yeah. glad, I'm glad I, I got to. Yeah. Yeah. Especially uh, in the context of the whole thing. Cause I think the right. first time we both watched that, movie we hadn't seen the old ones in quite a while no yeah we didn't sit down and do like a rewatch right right yeah 
I think because we knew. I think we knew that we were going to be doing this. Yeah, maybe. I think so too. Yeah. Um. After that, I'm going to say, I, I, you know, it starts immediately getting hard. Um, because I love these so much. I'm gonna say, uh, Men in Black. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just had so much fun talking about those and doing the research, and the show was new. Um, we had fun guests. So even like you know the worst movie, Men in Black International. We had Cass on, and that was like, yeah, just. A lot of fun, just like, you know, ripping that dumb movie apart. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it sucks that we had to watch it. Um, after that, I'm going to say uh, Spy Kids. That was really fun for me to go back through movies of my childhood. Robert Rodriguez being a, a big and early filmmaking like hero of mine. Um, actually, looking back, it actually inspired me a lot as a writer, going back and watching the behind the scenes and Learning how, like, fuck it, just it'll work out. That Robert Rodriguez philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was like, God, if only I had that in me. And then I pretended <laughs> to for a few months. Yeah. Um, and it was really fun. But yeah, and even that fourth one, like that, that's a really fun podcast that we recorded because yeah, we were both. It's not often that we're both just like fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, when you watched the Spy Kids Netflix cartoon? Oh, that's right. Yeah, and it was like, with the bad audio yeah. mix. Yeah, like, what the fuck oh, is this? Man. Um, and then right on top of that, I'm going to say Wes Anderson for kind of the same reason, kind of what, what you said, which is it, you know those movies are very formative for you growing up, in particular Rushmore mm-hmm. and Royal Tenenbaums, and so being on the receiving end of your research and storytelling, I just found really moving and. And then talking about these, all these, all those movies are so rich Mm -hmm. and there's so much humanity and wisdom in them. And every episode was just like a really fun conversation with some really cool guests. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, After Wes Anderson, I'm going to say Pirates of the Caribbean. Okay. That was, I love, I love those first three movies so much. They're, Mm -hmm. I'm just such a millennial. They just... (laughs) bring out such nostalgia for me yeah. and as unpleasant as that fourth movie is. And you know, like that we found some fun stuff in the final one. I just love that fucking world. Sure. Yeah. And just hanging out with Mr. Gibbs and going to Tortuga and all that fun stuff for a few weeks. I, I was just having a ball. Absolutely. Um, let's see. After that, I'm going to say, uh, scream because it was just, solid i think we just hit those movies from every angle Mm -hmm. and like you said like i'm very proud of the 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 through line that we found i I was really i remember really enjoying going through like tracing sydney's journey through those movies yeah 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 um and yeah really and really really great research thank you i haven't re-listened to those in a while um after on top of that i'm gonna say jurassic park because, again, just really fun. I wasn't planning on having that much fun living in that world. Right. Um, and, like, I think that's the most, like, flag-wavy that you and I have been on the show. Yeah. Like, I think you might was, be right. <laughs> it was kind of fun. Just, like, I think we're the... Does anyone else notice this? There's, like, actual... There's more stuff in here that I think people are... And, yeah. Like, yeah. our Dominion episode was so fun. Yeah. It was, that, was a, that was a big soapbox uh, episode of the show. That was. We, we lost Zach as a listener. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. <laughs> we'll find out. 
Um, <laughs> so after that, I'm going to say, I think I only have like two or three left. I'm going to say uh, Rocky. Okay. I could watch. I was thinking I could, uh, just uh, the other day I was on my walk and I'm like, if I had to pick one series to just watch all the way through right now, I would pick Rocky. Oh, wow. Nice. I could just watch them all. Just, just every once in a while, I'll just think of little stray moments from any of them. And just be like, God, I love that world. Yeah. I love that character. I love that yeah. those movies exist. Yeah. And I think we found some really cool stuff talking about Stallone and then the Creed episode, learning more about Ryan Coogler and how much heart he put into that movie. There, there's such a there, like, you know, what I'm just realizing is like the, the I think the reason that I love those movies so much and the reason they're so like. I don't know, just like they've endeared themselves to me so much is like, and they're so comfy. There's this, what I would say, what I would call like a, a um, like a warm melancholy to those movies. Yeah. No, that's good because it's like, it's sad. And I think the older you get, life gets sadder. And, right. And then you cling to the, I find myself going to those Rocky movies because the Rocky movies are about people getting older or people getting sick or, you know, relationships fraying. Yeah. And so it's comforting, but it also acknowledges how hard life can be. Right. But in like a way that embraces you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like, oh, they, like you're getting a hug. You're like, mm-hmm. they're like, you're right. They're like, those movies are like, no, you're right. Life is really hard. Like, you know, yeah, but it's like going to be okay. Like we're it's all like Rocky giving you a hug. Yeah. Just look at the bright side of things, you know, and, and, and everything will turn out okay eventually, you know? You just got to stick with it. Just keep keep going. Keep, keep yeah. Keep fighting. Yeah. It doesn't it, it doesn't matter how hard you hit. It, it matters how hard you can get hit and get keep hit. going. Yeah. yeah. Get up and keep going. Yeah. Yeah. What a magical what a magical set of movies. Ah, so good. Um. That being said, number two, I'm going to say X Men. Um. Okay. I believe you are missing. I believe there's two more after this that you still have to do. You still have to rank. Okay, you know what? Okay, sub out, sub out. I didn't say X-Men yet. I Star Trek. Okay, Star Trek. Star Trek, what an odyssey. Yeah. What an undertaking. Yeah. Uh it's uh the yeah, the research was was insane but so fulfilling and more than anything, it was just so great getting to dive into the world of Trek for a few months. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. The fact that you have uh have Star, uh, Star Trek and X-Men ranked sort of like back to back so high mm-hmm. tells me you really like the long ones. I think I do. I think I do. You like, like, the, you long like the long journeys. You like to really luxuri- luxuriate in a franchise for a while. I think so cuz think with like The Matrix and Evil Dead it's like wow that barely happened. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's true. Like we were just done. We're like, oh, okay, I, all right, we're done talking about those. But by the time we got to Beyond, like I got emotional recording that episode just because it was like a, detaching, realizing I was done living with that in that with that creative team or like learning about like that world. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Man. Um, yeah. So with that being said, yeah, my number two is X Men for a lot of the same reasons that you said. Like I'm really proud of that series. I've heard from listeners that that's a series they've gone back and listened to multiple times, which is so fulfilling. That's amazing. Um, I read Phoenix Saga for the first time, <laughs> researching that, and yeah. 
kind of the same way, kind of by the end, by the time we got to at the end of Star Trek, I really felt like I had a handle on the X-Men for the first time. And yeah. Talking about the ups and downs and the slings and arrows of like X-Men, but also the comic book industry, the comic book movie industry. Yeah. It, it really felt like we were firing on all cylinders with, with, with those. Yeah. That was, uh, I, I feel like we really, I, I'm really proud of this show and how it feels like we really hit the ground running. Like those first three miniseries are really strong, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think we've really like, you know, I, I, I feel like we've brought it every time, but like the fact that like, I'm not, you know, like, like with back to the future minute, I'm like, like, I, I, I'm like, I'm like, ah, go like the idea of people going back to minute one of back to the future. And I'm like, man, we really didn't know what we were doing yet. Like, right. Yeah. 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 You know, it's a little cringy. I don't feel that way about this show at all. Yeah. Cause it's like, oh yeah, the work is still there. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, we fucking, I think we killed it on those first three miniseries. So yeah, I get it. That X-Men franchise is good. (laughs) Like just the Deadpool ones. Yeah. True. Uh, our 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 uh, our young mutants one is really fun. Yeah, the new, new mutants, mutants. I mean, yeah, yeah, that was a really fun one. I love that episode. <laughs> um, but if you haven't guessed by now, listener, my number one franchise that we've covered on the show is Twilight. Yeah. Um, as if it could be the, anything else from you. As if it could be anything else. I uh, I did. I think it's the most research I've ever done yet. Uh, Scott's fucking, nodding. You fucking real good research. Um, I yeah. I, read... I just know how. I just know. I only know that it's the most because I know that like every time I talk to you, you were like doing research on the next one. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you were fucking in the weeds while we were recording that. Um, yeah. yeah, and I don't. I wasn't planning on it. I think I just was so compelled by it. Like. The vibes, the world, you know, the, 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 you know, I'm such a Kristen Stewart fanboy and a Robert Pattinson fanboy. Yeah. And I read the making of books. And so again, by the time we got to like the end of Breaking Dawn part two, it really felt like I had put in something and got a lot out. Like we had so much fun. I had so much fun with you, like falling in love with the series together and kind of talking about how weird it is and the potential of it. And yeah. Yeah, like when when it was announced that they were doing a reboot and we were both excited about it. It was like, yeah, this is only because of franchiseography. Yeah. Yeah, it's the only reason that we're so excited. Yeah, I mean that was that was the thing about that is like it just totally turned me around on that franchise. Like I was looking forward to like going into it and like having fun like, you know, watching it from a educational standpoint, but I mm-hmm. was not prepared for how entertained I would be by those movies. So, yeah. Yeah. And just like the fact that they're all directed by different people. Yeah, that was really fun. To, yeah. yeah, I just I feel like that adds a lot to it. You know, like it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's a fun time. Really fun. Time. Oh, and some of my favorite guests we've had. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was fun. I loved hearing everybody's Twilight stories. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I, I loved that. I loved that. Uh, At some point, like that's the thing is I don't know that there's another YA series series. Uh you know asterisk footnote that we would ever cover on this show um Mm -hmm. that will have that kind of uh like background and significance for people 
Um, yeah, like yeah, the Hunger Games may, is the closest I can think of. Uh, yeah, but I don't think but... people feel as strongly about Hunger Games, you know, because yeah, because there's only as... three books, so like it mm-hmm. didn't have as much time to like permeate culture. And it's not as it, there's not as much comfort food to be had. I think no. like you don't want to pretend to be in District Twelve the way that no. you like would want to live in Forks High School or whatever. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely not. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, there's definitely, I definitely want to visit the Hunger Games movies at some point. I want to do made the Maze Runner movies at some point, you know? Yeah, yeah, me too. There are other YA series that I want to do, but I don't think any of them are going to hit the highs that Twilight, our Twilight franchise did. Yeah. Um, that miniseries. Like, I obsessed over what our outro music was going to be for those yeah. episodes. Yeah, you did. You did. <laughs> you would change your mind sometimes. I would get up. I would have been like, no, 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 it's this one. Yeah, yeah. And to this day, I'm like, every time I hear Decode, I'm like, fuck, why didn't I pick Decode? <laughs> That's so funny. Um, so I'm uh, really, I mean, this makes me excited for what's to come on the show. I like, agree. The stuff we haven't shared yet, the stuff we have shared yet. Mm-hmm. I agree. So final, final part of episode 100. The uh, questions, right? The yes. listener submitted questions. So these were were these uh, these were questions collected from Discord, email, combo um, just pack. Discord, just Discord, um, just Discord. Th- this is just coming from Discord. That's where we get like kind of all of our input uh, from listeners. So yeah, if you're if you're a if you're a listener and you're not on the Discord um, and you like the show and you like us and you want to be feel like you're a part of the making of the show. I mean, I don't I don't know where else you could go other than I mean, I guess Patreon too, but like a yeah, lot of them are on but... the Discord as well. So, yeah, <laughs> just join the Discord. Um join the conversation cuz that's where all of this comes from. I I am not crediting all of these uh questions to who asked them. Um cuz I feel like, you know, it would start to feel a little repetitive. Um but mm-hmm. yeah, they all came from Discord. So, credit to I would say it's the half the experience at this point half the franchiseography experience is on yeah a little point. bit a little bit um so let's start off with our first question these are all podcast and franchise related questions cool what one-off movie should have become a franchise uh I'm gonna say baby driver to be cool if there was more of those sure sure uh in another universe yeah uh drive drive maybe i'm just doing like word association now um Um, oh i mean i mean just a word associate off of baby driver um i do feel like there's a sequel to hot fuzz out there somewhere that could happen um, I, I, I feel like there's a good sequel hotter. to Hot Fuzz you could make. Uh, they are adamant that their story is over, but I'm like, but that, just because they're done with like their initial issues that you introduced to the, to these characters at the start of that movie doesn't mean that they haven't gotten new issues since then, you know, that they like new stuff could happen to them. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I, I do think a Hot Fuzz sequel would be really cool. Uh, the nice guys is one that people always say that. I, I, you know, I'm, I'd always be down for another one of those. Absolutely. I really hope they get to make a million of those uh, Fletch movies with John Hamm. Oh, it's only to see that. 
Oh God, it's so good. It's so fucking funny. Um, I was thinking, would you ever, so, you know, staying on the Shane Black side of things. Yeah. So would you ever be interested in like a kiss, kiss, bang, bang, like Harry Lockhart now, 20 years later, mystery? Sure. Like maybe gay Perry isn't in it for like Val Kilmer health reasons. Sure. But, like just maybe focusing on Harry and then maybe Michelle Monaghan if they're still in each other's lives. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would be into that. Um, for sure. Um trying to think of of uh of of some other like one shot movies. I, I do really want more Battle Angel Alita movies. Would love that. Yeah. Yeah. I just I love that. I love that movie. You know, this just popped into my head. I don't even know what this would be, but it'd be fun to see an easy A2. Oh, yeah. What what Maybe. uh what uh, literature <laughs> book would it be uh, right. riffing on? Yeah, it would have to be like she would probably be a teacher now. Yeah. And then or like or like or or it's like a school with a new set of characters. But yeah, it would have to be another literary classic getting like the modern treatment. Right. In like a meta way, because they do yeah. like call it out. They do. They do say, "Oh, we learned about this. This is weird. We just read the Scarlet Letter." Yeah, yeah. Um, Tomorrowland, Tomorrowland sequel would be great. Yep, would love a sequel to Tomorrowland. Um, um because I do, I do love that movie. Uh, yeah, I'm sure we will cover that on a franchise potential at some point. But I have talked about that movie a lot, so. Um, you could probably find me talking about it on other stuff, usually surrounded by people who didn't like it very much and are like, OK, right. man, uh, that's kind of everyone's vibe. Anytime I talk about it. But, but, but yeah, like that's a that's such a world that you could just kind of throw yeah. any problem in. Yeah, absolutely. A Tron three without Jared Leto. <laughs> Always without Jared Leto. <laughs> um. Yeah, there's so many sequels. Yeah, I'm just like looking at my shelf to see if like anything is like popping out at me. I like, you know, maybe because we we are in Judd Apatow world. I'm just thinking of sequels where it's just revisiting characters a few years later. Sure. And so I'm thinking like Edge of Seventeen sequel. Where they're in right. college. Right. I really wish we would have gotten a couple of Josie and the Pussycat movies back in the 90s, 2000s. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think there is there is a lot more stuff you could do with that. Um, that's a, that's a distinction. Not getting I, not a sequel coming out in twenty twenty three, but when would a, would like could you, if you could drop a sequel into the timeline? Like right. Well, like, like Josie and the Pussycat sequel in two thousand three. Well, and staying with that same creative team, uh, a can't hardly wait sequel now. Oh, that'd be cool. Like yeah. a high school reunion with all of those characters, I think would be really, really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, just to see where they're all at. Um, a book of Henry sequel, because I literally <laughs> don't know what it could Jesus. be anything. It could be anything. It could be a ghost. <laughs> they could be trying to assassinate the Pope. <laughs> uh, I like that Pope thing. That's good. Great. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, I, as problematic as the as the creator is, I did always want sequels to Serenity. Um, mm, right. You know, did you ever read the comics? Yeah, they're not. They're okay, fine. Not great. They're whatever. Mm. I don't know. 
Like I, I don't get a lot out of comic continuations. I'll be, I'll be perfectly honest. Sure, it's yeah. just not the same, you know, without the actors, yeah. it's not the same. You like comics. You want a comic, you want to read a comic. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, and if I, if I want to show, I want to watch a show or a movie. Um, I don't yeah. want to read a comic because yeah, I don't know who any of these actors are. Like that's part of the, the like, I want to, I want to experience them acting those roles and seeing the sets and all of that. I don't. Yeah. 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 It's, it's just not the same thing. Um, um, another Kelvin movie would be magical. Another Kelvin Star Trek movie. Yeah. Although that wasn't a one-off, but yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, I would like a Paul sequel. Paul's Paul's would be good. Yep. Yep. Uh, my best friend's wedding sequel. Oh, interesting. Where it's like Marianne's daughter's wedding. Yeah. I'm trying to think, is there another rom-com I'd want a sequel to? I don't know. Because um, some are your favorites. We got 27 Dresses. Right. No, that we doesn't got, need a sequel. Um, we talked a little bit about doing a Knocked Up sequel. Right, right. Definitely did that. Um, staying on the Catherine Heigl train. Um, That's true. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, I know we got like a, we got a, um, again, this isn't a one-off, but, uh, and we'll probably cover these movies on a, on another centenisode at some point. Um, but, uh, I know we got like a zoom sequel, uh, but I would love another, like a proper third father of the bride with Steve Martin. Um, and that whole crew. I don't think we ever yeah. will because, mm-hmm. uh, Why? you know, How? I, I just, yeah. I, 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 you know, I just, I just really, really don't think that that's ever going to happen. I think that's the closest we'll ever get to a sequel. Uh, I mean, for one, and- they already remade the movie again. And so then it'd be like backtracking to a previous iteration, yeah. um, which feels strange, but yeah. Empire records. Oh yeah. That could be interesting. Yeah. It's like, it's still alive. It's still open. Yeah. Um, that thing you do. Yeah. Um, like a movie about them going on a reunion tour or something. For sure. Yeah. Get Steve Zahn back. Yeah. Um, Larry crown Two. Would love a sequel to Rushmore. Oh yeah. That'd be cool. That's that. I think that's like act three Wes Anderson. Yeah. He's like, I'm finally, finally ready. It, I, I did have, a, well, it's weird seeing him be a dad in the uh, Atomic City. Right. Whatever the hell. What, you know? Uh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Asteroid City. Um, Asteroid City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. That is weird. I, I will say the only problem with making a Rushmore sequel is that I don't know, even in his third act, I don't know if Wes Anderson would be capable of making a movie like that again. Right. Yep. 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 That that more so... like that like it's funny to call to call Rushmore cinema verte, but compared to what he's become, it is. You know. Right. It's like yeah. fish tank compared to what he's doing now. Right. Right. So I don't know if he'd be uh, capable of like stepping that far back into his creative process. Um. But yeah, I'd love to see it. Um. But uh, yeah, I think I guess that's I guess that's I think I think that's it. I think we named a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, more than I thought we would. Yeah. So next one. Uh, okay. Uh, what one-off movie are you glad didn't become a franchise? Um, most of them. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like. Oh wow, that's really good. How they they didn't make they didn't make more of these. Yeah. Or I, this yeah. remained unspoiled. I know there's some. I just can't. 
drawing a blank. You know, Lilo, uh, and I was going to say Lilo and Stitch, but there's like a bunch of those. Yeah, there's but, a bunch of those. But they're easy to ignore. That's true. But they still exist. <laughs> they still exist. Um, <laughs> Just like Pocahontas 2 exists somehow. You know, that, that super bad Pineapple Express crossover never happened. That's true. Kind of glad that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of in a way, all of the movies that I just said, like it's, it's cool that easy a is its own thing. Um, mean girls. I know had like a straight to DVD sequel, but it's, you know, mean girls is kind of this perfect thing. I've a hundred percent mean girls. That's a good, that's a good pull. I a hundred percent know my answer. It's who framed Roger rabbit. Oh, cool. Don't need it. Never need a sequel to that. Don't ever make a sequel to that movie. It's fine. It's perfect as is. There is every every version, like including ones that I think I've probably had to pitch on, like Back to the Future Minute or or whatever. Every version uh, of like a a re or a, a reboot or sequel to to Who Framed Roger Rabbit, it's never it never feels never feels right. It, it, they, they, oh, you know, yeah, yeah. I on that note, Beetlejuice. Yes, good. Yes, agreed. I don't need Jenna Ortega as Lydia's daughter. Yeah, whatever the We're hell got it, cooking over but there. I hope not. I know, but don't need it. Yeah, let it. Die. I mean, hey, we, I, I'd be happy to be wrong. I'd happy to be to go see that movie and be like, actually, Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian fucking rocks. But like, right, you know, yeah. I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's gonna be the case. Um, um it's gonna be God. The thing that's gonna be fucked up about that is it's just gonna be there's gonna be so much CGI, and I'm just like, ah, yeah. The thing and that like makes Beetlejuice fun is that it's like all models and stuff. You built it into the visuals of the movie, like, yeah, yeah. It's part of the narrative. Need... Like, don't don't do CGI, Tim. I that's the thing. If they can convince him to make a Beetlejuice two with like ninety eight percent practical effects, I know like there's some things you just can't do anymore. Um, practically, because it just doesn't look right or whatever. But if you could get like like n- like nine out of ten times you're using practical effects over CGI, I would be into that movie existing just to get Tim Burton back to playing with real things again. Toy. Yeah, like a, yeah, with a toy box. Yeah, yeah. Like again, like go back to that D and D movie. So much of that was tactile. Very much so. Very much so. And I love that. Um. We but you know we never got a nightmare before Christmas too. Yeah, you know that's another one. I'm very glad we yeah. never did. You know what? Ne- I'm I'm really glad We're that good. we just got the one. That's Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the uh, things. Oh, would have loved to see going back to the first question. Would have loved uh-huh. to see a sequel to Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes. Oh yeah, that'd be cool. Just because I want to see what that looks like. That movie's yeah. batshit, and I want to see an even more batshit. Like, imagine like Tim Burton's like Batman Returns of a Planet of the Apes. What the fuck does that look like? <laughs> oh, uh, on sci-fi, another one for the for the question of I'm kind of glad uh, is Galaxy Quest. Yep, that's a good one. I'm I'm glad that there's just Galaxy Quest. I think I think that there is a a version of a really great Galaxy Quest sequel. I don't think it's a TV show. Sorry, everybody. Um, sorry, sorry, Paramount Plus. Uh, <laughs> I I want if you do a movie and you get the right creative team, I think that there's a way that you could make that that could be really cool. But I don't think that they are prepared to spend the kind of money that you would need to spend on a movie, and so they mm-hmm. just siphon that into a TV show. And sometimes I think that's the wrong move. Um, yeah. 
but there you go. Uh, okay, moving on. Uh, number three, uh, what one-off movie is probably an inevitable franchise? I mean, you know, Super Mario Brothers. Right. That's the one that popped into my head, too. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Like, because it's because like, yeah, it would have to be something that has an inevitable is like, well, you know, this is going to get a Megan, I guess. We're probably going to see a lot of Megans. Yeah, we're going to see. Well, we know we're getting a Megan, too, at least. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, Megan, definitely. Literally. Uh, Smile, we know. Um, Barbarian, probably. Mm-hmm. Um. I oh, plane. We're getting a plane sequel. Yeah. Boat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the problem with this question is like it's too, it has to be too recent because we know a lot of sequels already that are in development. Mm-hmm. You know. Um. So it's tough to be like, oh, they. Th- I bet that one becomes a sequel. It's like it has to have been done like very recently. Um. Right. Yeah. D and D not inevitable yet. Nope. Nope. Uh, I think that one's an inevitable one-off, so there Mm -hmm. you go. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, all right. Uh, What IP has yet to be adapted to film uh, that you think has real franchise potential? Uh, I keep waiting. I think in my lifetime, in our lifetime, Scott, we're going to see the big AAA Dragon Ball adaptation. Hmm. Okay. I think with Creed 3, we're just going to, you know, like that was the start of like Western live action media really wearing its anime on its sleeve. Yeah. Um, so I think that's coming. I think there's a ton of DC characters and stories mm-hmm. that I feel like could be he- like have huge franchise potential. Um, I mean, Green Lantern is kind of like the biggest one, I would say. Like... Yeah, I mean, I think I think they're always adapting it in the wrong way. Um, sure, but but uh, I think they're coming at it at the wrong angle um, with too much homework attached to it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. is is the problem? Uh, with, well, you went with, you went into great detail in your the big huge ideal remake episode that you did, right? Right. Um, in which I pitched uh, a Flash movie, a Green Lantern movie, and a Green Arrow movie. I believe, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, all of which I think uh, have huge franchise potential. You can listen to me talk about those on Ideal Remake. Um, and I think it was their 200th episode, I think, if I remember correctly. Wow. Um, maybe I'm not. For I the big maybe, reboot. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't. I, I truly don't remember what the number was. But go back. It was not very long ago, so go back and check. Because <laughs> it was like the season finale of last season, and they just came back um, like a week ago as of this yeah, recording. Uh, yeah, so a lot of DC stuff. I'm trying to think of, like, other, like, non-DC, like, non-superhero IP. So, we live in a world where Disney is, like, you know, still probably the biggest entertainment company in the world. Mm-hmm. With, like, a beloved cadre of characters. Mm-hmm. And they really like the idea of, like, interconnecting it all. Mm-hmm. And having it all exist in, like, a park that you can visit and hug Goofy and then go hug Cinderella and then buy a Ronto wrap. Right. I there I there has to be a way to make live action or animated Kingdom Hearts work. Yeah, I also just think I think it's insane we've never gotten a Mickey Mouse feature film. Yeah, an epic Mickey movie I think would be crazy. Sure. Um like, Yeah. Or or like yeah, like a big yeah, I I thought about that too, like an adventure 
like you have this beloved character. I just think they've they've sanitized him too much mm-hmm. to the point where he's not he's not an interesting character right now. I think like I love those new shorts that they that they make. Right. I think those do a great job of making Mickey like a likable comedic. Well, there was a um there was a short film uh you know they used to put those like um you know short animated shorts in front of their movies uh especially the live action movies. Um I think I think this one was in front of like a kid in King Arthur's court or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um and uh it was a Mickey short called brain something brain brain swapped mickey let me see mickey mickey mouse brain brain runaway brain runaway brain yeah um that absolutely fucking rules it's amazing um it is completely out of print because like they they won't release it anywhere like they released like Mickey short compilations. It's never on any of those. Like you have to watch a pirated copy on YouTube to, to see it um, or like wow. daily motion or something <laughs> um, to watch it. They've, they've scrubbed the internet of all copies of it. Uh, and it's like a, it's like a, a Mickey mouse, like horror short where his brain is swapped with a, with like a Frankenstein monster. And uh, and Mickey as like a monster like goes wild in his city while Mick- Mickey's brain trapped in this Frankenstein monster is like trying to like apologize to everyone and be like, no, 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 it's really me. Look. Um, and he's just trying to, you know, uh, celebrate his anniversary with Minnie Mouse. And it's uh, it's great. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's phenomenal. And I wish I wish uh, they did not. I don't know what it is about that short that they are so afraid of releasing at this point because um, mm-hmm. the animation is gorgeous and it's really funny. Is it kind of dark? Is it kind of yeah. scary? I guess maybe that's what it is. Um, but yeah, doing doing like a Mickey feature in that style, I think would just be absolutely incredible. Um, so yeah, like I, I jump straight to Epic Mickey action adventure, you know, Super Mario Brothers, but with Mickey. But now, like, you know, like, are you kind of picturing something more like a goofy movie, but like something more domestic, but with Mickey? Yeah, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I think doing something like that. I mean, I think you could do like a, an adventure. I mean, a, you know, a, go- a goofy movie is an adventure. It's a, it's a no, totally. I, I think and we love that movie and they haven't yeah. even they've never done anything even resembling a goofy movie in 30 <clears throat> years. Yeah. Which is kind of like a domestic sitcom style yeah. animated film starring one of their like beloved benchmark characters. Yeah. And like what a way to like bring back traditional hand-drawn animation, right? Like right. That's yeah, like that would be like a statement piece to be like, we're doing our first hand-drawn animated film since Princess of the Frog, and it's gonna be a Mickey Mouse feature. Yeah, and he's like Minnie lost her purse and has to go on a road trip or like, yeah, he's trying to find his, his, where his parents live, man. So we can kill him. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Um, Do you think it's like, Oh, do you think they've tried? And then they're like, Oh, well no, he can't be selfish or he can't do this or that because I I think it's all of that. Yeah. I think they're terrified of, of all of that because they don't want people to like dislike him as like an icon. But I'm like I I think people can separate park like parks Mickey like the suit the guy in the suit mm-hmm. you know the guy in the costume from like animated Mickey like 
They're yeah. clearly not the same, right? He doesn't wear a tuxedo anymore, you know. <laughs> and this isn't this is like a weird like half compliment cuz like this wasn't my favorite part of the movie, but to go back to Super Mario Brothers, Mario as a character was kind of a vanilla wafer dude. Like Yeah. His arc was my dad doesn't believe in me kind of. Yeah. And because it was probably for the same reasons of Nintendo was like, that's our guy. You can't have him. We he needs to be a perfect boy. Right. But a lot of that movie really worked for me. So maybe like something kind of similar. But I really I really like your domestic. I really like I want Mickey to like to go on a road trip. Yeah. Yeah. I you know what I, I want is uh, I want them to to like obviously sand off all of like the edges, but <laughs> almost like a remake of The World's End. But with like Mickey and and gang, like Mickey oh, Goofy Donald, yeah, they go back to their hometown and like, well, this is where I threw up. Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, yeah, like stand off all the edges, but like all of that, maybe even have an alien invasion as like, yeah, the thing, like, something like that. I think could be really, I think could be really fun. You fooled me into thinking it was 1991. I punched a window. <laughs> Yuck! Yuck! <laughs> Great. A Disney that table is where Max was conceived. <laughs> Marmalade oh, <man>. sandwich. <laughs> uh, I was gonna be thinking about that. I'm just gonna like, oh man, I'm gonna be thinking about that the whole day. Because I like, I mean, I, I love, I love that your your instinct is to make Goofy uh, Nick Frost character. Oh yeah, I think so. Like the down the suburban. Yeah, I think because Donald, I think is O Man. Oh, interesting. See, I see Donald as Gary. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. But but I guess, but I guess, I guess you could have, you could like bring, uh, uh, what's his name? The rabbit. Um, Oswald. Oswald could be the Gary. Right. Yeah. It's not the perfect because like they're, they're a trio. Yeah. And there's five musketeers. Yeah. Now we're just remaking the world's end, but like, which you don't need to yeah. do for this, but I'm just mean no, like conceptually. Sure. Oh, no, no, yeah. no. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I mean, I was literally <laughs> thinking about that. But yeah, you're right. Like, so the gang would be like Goofy, Donald, Mickey, Pete, Minnie. No, no I think, Daisy. I think Pete, I think Pete is like a bully that like never left their old town or something. Okay. Oh, yeah. Fuck, no, so I, and I think, I think it's, I think it's Mickey, it's Donald, it's Goofy. And then it's Daisy and Minnie. I think that's the team. That's the group. That's the squad. Yeah. And then it's like it. It's it. There's a little bit about like Goofy being like, "Oh, I never found love," you know, like <laughs> you, you know. we promised. Yeah, a little, a little, yeah, being a little, a little like down on his luck and you know whatever, yeah. or like my wife died, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, Maxie's wife died, and I haven't told him yet. You know. <laughs> <laughs> um, Goofy. Yeah, I don't know. There, I, I, I feel like there's there could be something really fun with that. Yeah, like the yeah. big sleep, but with them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, like sideways. <laughs> yeah. Goofy, I need uh, you to impregnate my wife. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> buds help buds. Is what we always say. <laughs> oh um, my god. Um. Yeah, it's crazy that there's never been a Mickey Mouse feature film. Um, Everyone knows those characters. Yeah, I think I think in terms of like of like the richest IP to be mined is it's all in video games. I think 
I think that's the For next sure. big. That's the next big like, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, theatrical film franchise like en- engine. It's all going to be coming from there. Um, I think it's the next like comic book movie mm-hmm. thing. Like, I don't yeah. know that the comic book movie bubble is about to burst. I don't think it's it's going to burst in the way that like horror like busts and then builds and then busts and builds. I think it's going to more just like kind of just deflate a little and then just like sure. kind of find even a, out even out. Yeah, I think that's where it's going to it's going to be. I don't think it's going to totally pop. Um, but I think the next like big inflatable bubble, the thing that's going to start making a ton of money, I think it's going to be video game IP. And then you've got like Bioshock. Yep. You've got I mean, there's so much. Grand you know. Theft Auto. Yeah. Grand Th- yeah. Um, I, it's crazy that there's not like a Rockstar Studios or something like that. No, yeah, they haven't tried to make those. Um, on the Discord, I mentioned still, I would be into a Brie Larson Metroid movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think um, I think with Grand Theft Auto, I mean, I think they would make the mistake and I think they would turn it into a movie. Uh, but at that point, you're just riffing on the same shit that the movie. I mean, that's the problem right. with a lot of the video games, right? That's the problem like with Uncharted. Uncharted. Yeah. yeah. But um, I think if you do a Grand Theft Auto, I think you you got to do it as a as a TV series because then you can have like a big group of characters. You move around. Each episode is like a mission in a Grand Theft Auto game. You know, like you know, you meet all the kooky characters and the whole the whole thing. You get the whole mm. Grand Theft Auto vibe if you do it as like. Like an HBO or Showtime s- yeah, series, I think. Definitely. Um, yeah. Going on whereas Red Dead Redemption, I don't think should ever be anything because it's just it's literally just a western. There's nothing special about it outside yeah. of it being a video game. It, what's special is that you can do it. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. I'm gonna say four words, Scott. Danny McBride. Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> As Crash Bandicoot, yeah, okay. Oh, no, not, not just him writing it. I mean, him no, I was, I was thinking, I was thinking he would make a pretty good oh. uh, Doctor Nefarious or whatever, whatever his name. Oh, is. you were picturing like them back to back on the poster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no. oh yeah, like as like the J- the James, uh, yeah, Marsden, Marsden, yeah, the James Marsden character with Crash Bandicoot. Yeah, this fucking guy's a Bandicoot or something. <laughs> I mean, that writes itself. Um, yeah, boom. We did it. All right. Uh, next question: Which franchise would you sacrifice to a volcano to make any one of the franchise potential movies into a series of films with an equal number of entries? Now, this is a hyper specific. This is like a this is like a game. Um, um, I would kill the Men in Black sequels for four uh, like nice guys movies. That's not a franchise potential. Oh, oh, it has to be one that we've done. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's like Real Steel, Super Mario Bros. Yeah. Timeline. Hold on. I'll run it down. I'll run it down. Okay. Here we go. We got Lost in Space, Master and Commander, Galaxy Quest, Real Steel, Bubba Hotep, Twister, Duel of the Fates doesn't count, Book of Henry, Safety Not Guaranteed, Timeline, Sphere, Congo, uh, Lone Ranger, Jupiter Ascending, Beautiful Creatures, Garden State, Shark Boy, Lava Girl, uh, Daredevil, Super Mario Brothers. You know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to fix. I'm going to pull a Barry Allen. I'm going to fix this entire timeline. Okay. I would sacrifice every single 
X-Men movie for an equal amount of Book of Henry movies. <laughs> Thus freeing the MCU to create their own version of the X-Men without worrying about the Fox movies. Oh, wow. Fascinating. Um, Thank you. I think I would Book do... Book of Henry movies. I would do... Um, I think uh, so. I would get rid of I would get rid of the Men in Black sequels. I think that's the right move. Um, yeah. Why from the timeline? Men in Black four, four is a solid number. Yeah, and I would I would get the equal amount of Jupiter Ascending movies. Oh, that's a good one. That's enough for a whole saga. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what I would do. Um, I think that's nice. the one. The only other one would be Bubba Hotep because we did talk about all of the potential there. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but, uh, oh man, or, um, no, I'm going to stick with Jupiter ascending, but I'm going to give, I'm going to give a soft nudge to master and commander. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I would sacrifice all the spy kids move sequels for like, you know, three or four master and commanders. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Good question. Um, yeah. Which which franchise should just die? Which one which one has gone on too long and we're just like, you know, maybe stop. we should stop. Um mine is Saw. Uh yours is Saw? Saw. Done. Guys, sure. it's over. It's been over. Mm-hmm. Let it go. Yeah. With Book of Spiral, that was such a disappointment. It was like And they're doing another one still. Like Yeah. 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 And it's like they they insist if you're not going to do anything interesting then then stop. Yeah. Um I'm going to say it's it's such a it's become a really weird fun experience every time I go to the movies lately and they play that Transformers Rise of the Beast trailer uh huh and the audience is just like tired yeah I can't believe I'm you know we talked on, on DGT about the excitement I have for the we all have for the animated movie yeah and that's cool but it's just like I never thought I would be bored by like Rob I think back to how psyched I was for that first moon landing trailer for in 2007 mm. we're like the shadow of an autobot was like oh, hollywood's movies are real yeah sure sure but yeah yeah do you have one yeah yeah mine, okay, mine oh, was yeah, saw. You, oh, you saw yeah yeah mine was saw um okay uh next question are there any franchises that don't qualify the podcast that you would want to do well jump street we just did um mm-hmm. There's a lot of duologies that that I think we want to sure. cover, uh, but but uh, this one specifically shouts out like movies being released on Netflix instead of theaters, that sort of. Oh, thing. right, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, Netflix like franchises. Yeah, VOD um, franchises. Yeah, I would love to. Franchises. I'm a I'm a big fan of uh, the Skyline movies. Mm. I think. That's a really interesting tale, and it has one author. Liam O'Donnell wrote the first one and has directed every subsequent Skyline movie. Yeah. And it's this really fun DTV franchise that hits just enough each time that it can get a little bit bigger. And he's quietly created, like, if I could describe the vibe of the world of Skyline, it's like Street Fighter meets Halo. Okay. Interesting kind of james cameron sci-fi but then also like martial arts craziness yeah wow okay yeah i'm trying to think um 
I can't think of a streaming franchise that I've like stuck with. I've I've seen all the to all the boys I've loved before. See, movies. I haven't. I've only seen that first one because I heard the sequels were like fine. They're um, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, they're fine. I don't, yeah, I don't, and, yeah. and I I didn't watch all the kissing booth movies, you know, because I I trash. yeah, they're, they're I've heard they're trash and they're also like three hours long. Um, <laughs> yeah, like why? Yeah, for what purpose? But, uh, a lack of editing. I I, I feel like sure. they are assembly cuts, and that's that's it. Um, um, there's about to be an extraction two. Yeah. So if they can make it to an extraction three, yeah, I could I could go on and on about those movies. Yeah. But yeah, I can't think of like oh. like I don't know the 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 Enola Holmes movies. Those are pretty good. Yeah. The problem with streaming is like they don't usually make movies like how many times have we been tricked thinking right. something was a movie right. yeah. and then it ends up being a show, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's the problem. It's like, it's like, I keep wanting to start that Joe Cornish thing that I was so excited about on Netflix. Uh, yeah. but it's a fucking show. Like I, I don't have time for another show. Like mm-hmm. make movies. I don't know. God damn. <laughs> you, uh... you want everybody to binge your shit anyway. Like fucking make it shorter then. <laughs> I'd watch two Jump Street movies this morning. Yeah. God damn. I don't know. Um, um, yeah, I don't I don't think I have a good answer for this. Yeah. Because there's not like a hell yeah, this franchise. I mean, you know, there's Stranger Things, but that's a that's not a movie. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Tremors, I mean, there's there's plenty, but there, there's plenty of duologies. Right. Like sure. like the raid comes to mind. Right, yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of like twofers that we're never going to cover as a proper franchise. Like we just have to wait until uh, a centenario <laughs> yeah. to cover one of them. Um, unless the we do like a crazy. mini series of duologies, that would be interesting, I guess. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, you know. Um, you know, I've always I've been wanting to go back to Jurassic. I've heard I've heard some stuff about Camp Crustaceous. Yeah, that I find really interesting, and I'm like, oh, that might be fun to. It's good. Sometime it's good. Yeah, like I, yeah. I, I've only seen the pilot, right? I've only seen like the first episode that was like you know 45 minutes because mm. all animated series start <laughs> with a 45 minute episode now. Um, for some reason, uh, but it's super super solid. Like the mm. writing is really good. I've heard the first season runs congruently with Jurassic yes. World. Yes, it does. It does. It's very good. That's fun. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of fun. I've always wanted to go back and keep watching that. I might, now that you've reminded me, I might, I might actually <laughs> do it. Um, cause yeah. I need a new, uh, morning show. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, okay. Moving on. Uh, sorry. I don't have an answer to that question. I'm really sorry. Well, it's streaming's fault. Yeah. Um, take us through your research process, how you compile things and then rank the franchise in terms of difficulty researching. Oh, okay. Interesting. Um, uh, Star Trek process. was a lot. Yeah. Star Trek was a lot of homework, a lot of digging. What was the, what, what was the process, though? Like, technically. Oh, oh okay. I was, I, was, I, was, I was skipping straight to that. So my process is I normally... It depends. Like, mm-hmm. with Twilight... I found that there were these books and then I was probably, you know, honestly, I was just hungry to learn more about them. Yeah. So I like bought the books and read the books, but 
in, in normally in that in, in most cases I'm I I stick with like what I can find on the internet. Mm-hmm. So Wikipedia is a really good like overview. Yeah, I use Wikipedia. That's like my first step is I read yeah. the Wikipedia page, and then what I get from there is. I'm either like, oh, that's interesting. I want more detail on that. And usually there's like a footnote that I go to like an article and learn more about it. Um, Or it'll like make me ask a question. And then I will like go down the rabbit hole of the Internet trying to find an answer to that question, whether it be like an interview with a writer or director or whatever, because every question you could possibly have somebody else has had and probably asked. Um, Yeah, because. That's the that that is that is uh, the way of entertainment journalism uh, right now. Um, they're just like us, uh, and so yeah. Um, so you can find yeah yeah. I usually find like with the X Men movies, I would look for interviews from that publicity tour mm-hmm. of like Matthew Vaughn going to every magazine on the planet talking about his X Men movie, right? And then because you find little moments of honesty because it's like them at the time talking about this thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, so for me, I, I basically stream together a bunch of notes and I'm, I'm just sort of, I'm reading all of these things and I'm, I'm, I'm like just following my curiosity basically. Um, and writing all these notes down. And, and like Nick said, sometimes I buy books and things like that, though. That's a rarity most cases because there's not usually a lot of books um, and a lot of a lot of the books that you think would be helpful end up not being super helpful. Um, yeah. Like you'll like get an art book and it's like, oh, no, these are literally just pictures of art. Like there's not a lot of behind the scenes detail in this like there used to be. Or like documentaries like Blu-ray. Yeah. Definitely watch Blu-ray documentaries. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, for Wes Anderson, I had like a great like couple of books that were like sort of biographies on his uh mm-hmm. His pro his creative process, um, but anyway, but I I read all of this stuff, I gather up all of this material, um, and then what I I I try to do um, is I look at all of this, all these details, and I start taking out stuff that isn't interesting, um, that are just like facts, right? Um, not mm. the facts aren't important, but sometimes like it's just like, not like a fact, but like a like like trivia. I'm like that feels more like trivia than something that's like part of the narrative of getting this movie made right yeah and so i mm-hmm. i basically like i hone down all of those details into a narrative um and i basically turn that narrative into the story that i tell on the podcast yeah that's yeah, yeah. i i while i'm doing my research a narrative starts to form in my head or like, oh, I'm starting to like with the X-Men movies, just starting to piece together. Oh, this guy leaves and this guy comes on. And then I have a physical notebook that I'm holding in my hand right now. And I guess just for reference, this starts with New Moon. That's like mm-hmm. the first page of this new notebook. And mm-hmm. then, you know, ends on Jump Street, which feels crazy. That feels like such a large amount of time. Yeah, I have legal pads that I like to use. Nice. And they're they're right here next to me. Um, I Each one is like... I have like a TDC notebook. I have a franchiseography notebook, and then I have a like a like a scratch notebook yeah. that I put like I don't know like Patreon notes and stuff in. Yeah. Um, the the way that I so a way that I learned to approach acting in school was to like inhale research and technique yeah. and stuff, and then when it comes time to perform, don't even think about it. Let all of it go. 
And so with the research, it's like I kind of overwhelm myself with like I learn everything I want to possibly learn and then kind of trust that whatever is because ultimately I want the episode to be good. Right. And I would rather like just have something come up organically or forget about it. Like, oh, that didn't I didn't need to bring that up. It didn't come up. Then yeah. try to tra- file transfer everything I learned into the episode, which I think I, yeah. I've tried to do a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I just try to like, you know, you just want to distill it down into something that's entertaining. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, in terms of like ranking, I don't want to rank all the franchises again, uh, but I will say the hardest one for me was Scream, which I think is probably why I'm so proud of it is because mm-hmm. that okay. that required a lot of a lot of digging from a lot of sources um uh, to find all of the material um mm-hmm. to uh build the narrative on everything i mean i literally like i dug and found that original cursed draft right you know that's right yeah um yeah. i i answered questions about like what the original iteration of scream 3 was something i'd always wondered what was kevin williamson's concept and that mm-hmm. took me days to find um you know it, it's it's stuff like that um so that one was probably the toughest i think I, and i think right behind that was probably x-men because um that right. was a lot of pulling on a lot of threads because there's not like a definitive like behind the scenes story of the x-men yeah. franchise book or anything yeah there was a lot of for my half of it mm-hmm. was like I, I found myself having to go down avenues. I, I would kind of prefer not to like, yeah, like for the with the Brian Singer stuff, I felt compelled to try to get as even a, a, a perspective of all of those events as I could. Right. For the sake of creating like a somewhat of a whole perspective for the listener. Right. And so I was like reading Entertainment Weekly reports from like the 90s. Yeah, I did a lot of that, think- too. Yeah. And then after the, I'm learning about an X-Men movie right now, but I'm reading about these like fucking crime reports. Yeah. Um, I will say there is a, there is a level there. There is an interesting level in the research because when it's something like Star Trek, right? Obviously a lot of time and research has gone into like um, uh, making a record of the behind the scenes of all of that stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, finding that material is, is it's out there. Like it's, it's pretty easy to go and find, right. There's very definitive behind the scenes documentaries on the DVD set that I gave you um, that are really good uh, about the behind the scenes of the Star Trek movies. Um, But there, but in general, there tends to be a, a weird place where the newer the movie is, the harder it is to research because people aren't prepared to talk about the thing yet, right? In, mm-hmm. in an honest way. It's all just sort of like pressy kind of, you know, uh, uh, nonsense that they have like regurgitated over and over and over and over and over again, like the same stories. Um, so the, the newer stuff isn't as fun to research. The stuff, the best stuff to research is the stuff that's like 10 plus years old. Um, but... Only to the beginning of the internet. Once you go earlier than the beginning of the internet, then it's harder to research stuff. Um, it becomes really, really difficult because, you know, that's the, those records aren't as uh, easy to find, I guess. Mm. 
Um, so yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. That tracks. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was my experience with the Star Trek movies, I think, where it was yeah. like finally photocopies of stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Um Okay, next question. Uh, let's see. What do you do when there isn't a whole lot of information available about a movie? How far do you dig before you just sort of give up and hope for the best? Um, well, like I, with the Apatow movies, there's only so much information to gather. Yeah. And now if it's kind of like, okay, cool. This is going to be more of a discussion episode about the movie than... Star Trek, where there was like, you know, an hour and a half of just going through bullshit and right background. Right. Right. Um, I mean, I think the thing that you're looking for is is the the narrative, like the story um, of the of the development of the film. Um, so, like, I mean, I think I think within 20 minutes of beginning research on something. I can usually tell, like, oh, this is going to be a tough one. Uh, this this one's going to be a tough nut to crack, and and so yeah, that's when you just start reading interviews and things like that, and you 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 learn pretty quickly that like there isn't going to be a lot here, but I think at that point I sort of look extracurricularly past the movie and try to look at the careers of the people making it. Where did they come from? Where were they when they were making this? Um, and, and try and like create a sort of um, thought process, I guess, in terms of like, well, this is probably where they were right before this. And now they made this movie. So like, I guess, like, how do I connect those dots, I guess? And I try sure, and, sure, sure. you know, I don't know, ex- extrapolate something. Um, but in those cases, I try not to, like, present those as fact. I try to present those as more like, you know, I think maybe this might have been what was going on. Um, right, yeah. You know, rather than being like, yeah, this is, this is, you know, he just had a divorce. So this is how he's feeling. And that's why he hates women in these movies. You know, I don't, I don't know, you know, like, I'm not going <laughs> to say something like that. Um, I, in a, in, as a definitive fact. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's kind of how I feel about that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, next question. What are the franchises that sort of snuck up on you, surprised you with overall enjoyment while watching? Um, yeah, I mean, like the, the Twilight movies, as we said, yeah, uh, Jurassic Park, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I was surprised by how fun that franchise was. Remember, we almost didn't do it. The only reason that we did it was because we're like, well, we're probably going to rewatch all these anyway because of Dominion. So we might as well record a miniseries. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. It was like really spur of the moment. Yeah. And we ended up having like a lot to say about all of them. And it led to like really fun bonus content. Some of our, our most chaotic, fun Patreon stuff that we've done. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I agree with those. Uh, snuck up on you over. I um, and then I just want to I want to shout out Pirates Five again. Yeah, for sure. Of like, here's a movie that was famously written off as like terrible, awful. Yeah, and we went in expecting that and and found a lot of worthwhile stuff in there. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, next one. What franchise that you've covered has the widest variance between best and worst movie? Spy Kids. 
It might be Spy Kids, but I don't think like I, I. It's not like I think the first Spy Kids is like a masterpiece though either. You know, I I like it a lot, but like I I I'm trying to think. I mean, you still might be right, but I'm trying to think if there's a a wider difference between best and worst. Uh, Men in Black. Men in Black Men in one Black? to Men in Black two is pretty fucking rough because Men yeah. in Black is literally like a goddamn masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And then like Men in Black plot. Two is like a dump truck. <laughs> yeah, and like yeah. smart, and yeah, just almost like a, yeah, an insult. To yeah, the first one. Yeah, I yeah. I think yeah, it, I'll say that. Yeah, I think it might be Men in Black. Um, which franchise that you've covered was the most consistent in quality across all films? Uh, Rocky. Rocky. They're all pretty well, close. Yeah, I really don't. I don't really don't like three and four that much, though. Got it. You know, uh, Star Trek has its rough spots. Um, X Men, they're all like a couple of points away from each other. Like, yeah, there's really bad ones and really good ones, but like Evil Dead, I think Evil Dead, they're really close. Like, Evil we'll, we'll Dead get is into really it. close. The Matrix is really close. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, Matrix I think, or Evil Dead. Yeah, I because we'll get into it on our Evil Dead Rise episode. But like, there has to be a least favorite Evil Dead movie. But it's not my least. It's not, it's still a great movie. Right. Right. Yeah. Um. Maybe Wes Anderson too. True. Yeah. There's never. There was never like. What's the worst Wes Anderson movie? You know. Yeah. I I can't even really. T- I don't even remember where I ranked them. Um. No. Like maybe I, like I, I feel like it's Bottle Rocket. I guess by Bottle? default. Yeah, but like it's just, Bottle, Bottle Rock, Rock is so it's fun. Great. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so might be it might be Wes Anderson. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, um, uh, so so uh, next one is what was the most su- surprising thing that you learned while researching these movies? Um, jeez. Uh, oh, I mean, like that that story you told about the Super Mario Brothers was insane. About oh, yeah. The, the, the writers like coming upon the production randomly. Yeah. yeah. That's true. That was that was a really fun story. That was good. Um, That curse script you found was really cool. Yeah, I think that might be the one for me is is that curse script and and the uh, the the alternate Scream 3. Concept. Yeah. For sure. Um, might be might be the two for me. Um, yeah, yeah. I can't. Oh, in the New Mutants material, I was shocked by the amount of New uh, Mutants yeah. research I could find. Just you know, with with that be, being yeah. so new, I thought I would find nothing, and I found mm-hmm. so much, um, which I was really happy about. Uh, no scripts, unfortunately, but uh, but yeah. lots of like summaries of like plots and things like that and descriptions of like what previous versions were and what they wanted the sequels to be and like all of that material being out there. I was I was really surprised by for sure. Yeah. Um, what is something you wish you could learn about a film you've covered but couldn't find info about? I'll be honest. Fuck. Wish I could find an MIB 23 script. Oh, that would be fun. Oh god, I'm drawing a blank. Um so many like drafts of scripts that would have been fun to read. Mm-hmm. 
like alternate X, like the the I, the Magneto script would have been really interesting to read. Oh yeah, yeah, the Magneto solo movie. Yeah, uh, the Twilight script where Bella like wind surfs. Oh yeah, like the MTV the one, the MTV films yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I forgot about that. I think I'm reading that back for the TV show. Oh, for, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Boom. Bella Bella joins the FBI. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, if you, oh, 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 um, the original score for X-Men. Oh, that's right. That was crazy. Yes. That story where it was like a CD that they played in his car and he was like, yes, fucking beautiful. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's a good pull. And, 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 uh, and, and Fox was like, nerds, get it out of here. (laughs) Yeah. Fucking dorks. It's 2000 stupid. (laughs) Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, oh. That's... Um. I don't even know if I. If, I don't know if the answer is traveling to a universe where this happened, but Medieval Dead. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um. Man, I'm trying to think of. I feel like there was something that, like, I legitimately, I like, no information about, but could not find any details uh, on. Phil DeGrasse's Pirates Four. Oh, interesting. I don't even remember that. Remember he pitched us his his like pirates movie that he was making. Oh, 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 yes, yes, yes. That's right. That's right. Yes. <laughs> um uh, oh man. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um Oh, well, of course, you know, the the Ghost Recon Jurassic Park movie that they were trying to make with like the, Yeah, that script exists though. You can read that. The Raptor I, people, I think I read some sure. of it okay. or most of it or something okay. like that. Um uh oh! I would like to see the two scripts they wrote for, like the two like reboots of the Pirates series. Yeah, the, Margo, that'd be the fun. Margot Robbie one and the uh, Karen Gillan one, right? Mm-hmm. The really, that, the really, right? yeah, for sure, Karen Gillan. Yeah. Uh, the really boring Star Trek O Nine sequel, or was all just like Klingon war buildup? Oh yeah, God, I would love that. Was that was another really surprising detail? Um, mm-hmm. to learn is what that original script was. Um, would love to read that uh, Starfleet Academy script. The uh, for sure, the, yeah. Um, the, the, the Star one. Trek Year Zero or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Let's see. Uh, if you could interview just one person from each franchise, um, what would you choose and why? I'm assuming I. I don't think we need to go through all of these franchises let's just shorten this down to like if you could interview just one person from any of the franchises that we covered i think i could do this i think i could do this rapid fire really you think so i'm gonna i'm gonna do this go for it i'm gonna start from the bottom uh walter no tommy lee jones from men in black (laughs) uh matthew lillard scream Hmm. wait living or dead because i would say Wes craven um yeah, I think living or dead. I don't think it's a fantasy. It'd be really cool to regardless. get for X Men. I'm going to say either Kevin Feige, uh, Hugh Jackman would be interesting. Laurie Schumann Donner, Lauren Schumann Donner would be interesting. Yeah, uh, Danny Trejo for Spy Kids. Yeah, Jason Schwartzman, Wes Anderson. Interesting. Kristen Stewart, Twilight. I'm barely thinking about this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> it sounds uh, like you're Stal- running out of steam quick on this. Stallone. I feel like there were like we would have killed to just sit down with Stallone and talk about Rocky. That would have been yeah. crazy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, man, in terms of like, uh, so I'm just going to name one person, uh, looking at all of these. I mean, the thing is like, there's a difference, I guess, between interviewing someone because like, they'd be fun to talk to and Mm -hmm. really like picking someone's brain on something, you know, um, Mm -hmm. Like, fun conversations would be, like, you know, Sam Raimi or Bruce Campbell for Evil Dead. But it's, like, it's also, like, them regurgitating a story that they've told a billion times um, over and over again. Uh, I think it would be fun to do a deep dive on Spy Kids with Robert Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. That'd be crazy. I think think there would be. I think that's definitely um, something. Um, I think at the end of the day, though... I think I either got to go with, um, you know, Stallone on Rocky or. God. Yeah. The, yeah. Like the Wachowskis who don't like talk about their shit, talking about right. the Matrix. Yeah. And, like really digging deep on that would be interesting. I, I think I think ultimately, though, I got to go with I got to go with Kevin Williamson for Scream. OK, Kevin Williamson. Yeah. For Scream. Yeah, just because uh, we could really dig deep into what his original thoughts were for Scream Three, mm-hmm. and like how he feels about Scream Three as it as it stands, you know, and for sure he produced the new ones, so he has a creative hand in those as well, and like yeah, mm-hmm. and get to know more about his original uh, trilogy for first Scream Four, right? Yeah, all of that. Um, yeah, I think I think it's Kevin Williamson. I think that's the yeah. the one person I would want to talk to. I think my one would be Kristen Stewart. Nice. Do you think she'd be, be like, you think she'd be chill to talk about the Twilight movies or that's the thing is I don't know. It would be like, if it was like, if she knew like, Hey, this is what the conversation is. You're going to talk with this like weird podcaster guy about Twilight for a couple hours just to be like, how do you feel about those as an artist? Like, how do you, how, like what's your reflection on the work you did on Bella as a character yeah. Like on this story. This is my impression as a fan of your work, how you think about it. Am I totally wrong? Do you actually resent stuff or how do you feel about this? Just to like yeah. how she reckons with it now, because she's done such cre I feel like we're we're just now getting like Chris Stewart director. Right. So like how does she feel about how like like off the record, you know, like no talk your shit. Like how do you feel about choices that were made? How do you feel about this director? How did you feel about that director? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, that's good. <laughs> All right. Next question. Here we go. Strap in, buddy. This, okay. this, this is a good question. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Which franchise that you've covered on the show uh-huh. would you most like to see crossed over with the Fast and the Furious saga? Um, well, I mean, we talked about Bella Swan FBI. <laughs> sure. Did we? So her, I don't remember that. Her- her, her mixing it up with the uh, spy kids would be crazy. The OSS. That's that's my I feel like that's the one that makes the most fucking sense is spy yeah. kids. Because um, it's also talked multicultural, about, like fast and cultural. Yeah. We've talked about how crazy it is that Michelle Rodriguez never showed up in one of these. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. I think that makes the most sense. I think 
I think Dom and the gang having to to uh, to run a, a job for the Men in Black is a really fun idea. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, um, <laughs> so saving a baby dino. Yep, in the Jurassic Park franchise makes a lot of sense. Oh man! Um, uh, but you know what? Coming across one of the Necronomicons. That's the one I was gonna say. I was like, okay. that. That's the one. I think that's the one that I would be like. That sounds insane. I have to see this. Yeah, Roman and Tej yes. dealing with, uh, yeah. That's exactly where my mind went. I was like, they've got to be the star of that show. That Them and, and the Bama boy and his crew from 3. Oh, hell yeah. That's yeah. a movie. Yeah, just tearing up a Necronomicon. Yeah. I feel like Family. I feel like that, that fucking rocks. Um, <laughs> the, there's also the part of me shot that- chasing Tyrese. Yeah, there's also there's also part of me that wants to see uh uh like it, the crossover happen where Wes Anderson just directs a Fast and Furious movie. Oh, for sure. Because you're just like, what oh the fuck God. is that? What's that going to be? I did. Yeah, it's a shame we never got a Vin Diesel awkward Instagram video of him cornering Wes Craven at a restaurant. Yeah, like we're, yeah. we're cooking up magic. Um. So, uh, okay. So there you go. Um, that's, that's, that's so fun. Uh, there, there's so many possibilities. That's, mm-hmm. that's the great thing. Um, I think the most clean integration though is, is spy kids for sure. For sure. Um, cause you know, Brian just becomes a spy kid. That's how you start. Oh my God. Yeah. Like yeah. Brian, Brian, uh, uh, Dom's son, Brian, um, mm-hmm. not the one that's uh, running free at a farm up, up, up North. Um, he's fine. He's happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, a farm in the country. Um, yeah, he he gets inducted into the Spy Kids, and then you know the 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 the, the fast crew get kidnapped or something, and he's got to like mm-hmm. save them with the rest of the Spy Kids. Perfect. Has Trejo been in a Fast and Furious? I don't think he has. That's fucking insane. That is insane. Yep. It's insane, that insane that Michelle Rodriguez hasn't been in a Spy Kids movie. It's fucking insane that Trejo hasn't been in a Fast and Furious. I think they're because they were waiting for this. They're waiting for this crossover. God damn. All right. Um, what do you see as the best and worst trends among current franchises? Uh, nanobites. Not crazy about nanobites. Don't like nanobites. I'm sick of post credit scenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's like the tethered the uh, the way you know, just kind of like the way we feel tethered to the past. Yeah. Sometimes. Also, uh, getting too ahead of yourself. Right, like over planning for sure. Yeah. Yeah, where you you watch, go and watch the first movie in a franchise, and you're like, "Oh, this is the first movie in a franchise," um, instead of just a movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like try, I guess, just trying to build a universe before building like a good movie is is always like the first mistake you can make. Yeah. What are the best though? I really just love how soap opera y stuff is getting now. Mm. Like between Creed three and Scream six, yeah. and like it's really fun when it or like you know the Twilight movies. It was really fun, just like okay, what's going to happen next week? You know, right. like the serialization of it, right? And that's so hard to do because movies are such big behemoth, colossal things. But that that's always really fun. Yeah, um, I think uh, 
yeah, another bad thing is the focus on spectacle um to the to the sacrifice of everything else. Mm-hmm. Um sky beams. Hate sure. a sky beam. Uh <laughs> <laughs> um but good stuff. Um I I do genuinely feel that the best entries in franchises nowadays are are like better movies than a lot of movies you know before like when when it when one is firing on on all cylinders like you can get like a really stellar movie sure um, yeah like creed yeah. logan uh into the spider verse mm-hmm. um yeah cuz it's using our our emotions and our history with the franchise, but in a sophisticated, really loving way, as opposed to just like empty nostalgia. Yeah, I agree. Um, what lessons from past franchises should future screenwriters, directors, and producers pay attention to? Hmm. Um, like, like what are like good, what's, what's good stuff that they should learn from like ones that work. And bad stuff. I I would say okay. So bad thing, right? Um, is is too much of the same thing. So mm-hmm. like, Avengers is a massive hit, and then Marvel is like, oh, they just want this for all of the movies, and so then all of the movies sort of start becoming a little samey. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like repetition like, well, is always bad. Yeah. Where it's just like, well, just because one worked that way doesn't mean, or like like the Ragnarok to Love and Thunder. Where it's like, no, we liked Ragnarok because it was good and it was different. Love and Thunder is not as good and it's exactly the same, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, anytime a franchise really tries to play with what it can be, I think going into Evil Dead, like, and sometimes it's like reverts back. But like when, when something is allowed to be something really unique and different, I know it kind of makes for a better discussion. Yeah. Where... Like sometimes if even Jurassic Park for what it's worth, I think they really tried to do something different each time. Right. Right. Um, And it worked to varying degrees. Um, Mm. I guess just like relying on character above like creating a bigger problem for the characters to fight. Like, yes, we really story love. I mean. Yeah, story and like you know, following care like like the Rocky series. Like Rocky never has to like de- deactivate a warhead, right? But we we love following this family of characters grow and like like I that's my biggest. I I hate that the X Men movies have very little of the the family dynamic that you get when you read a, any X Men book. Right, right. Yeah, I think I think definitely like following like like you know. Uh, uh, focusing on story versus threat. Um, you know, don't don't start building a movie antagonist first. Right. Start building it from character, themes, story. Figure out what villain fits that the best. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's how you're going to get the best movie. Uh, I think. Also, um, follow the passion. You know, like sure. What are your creatives passionate about? You know, if they're not passionate about making another Thor movie or, or you know, whatever, like, let them make something else and bring somebody else in who is passionate about making the next Thor movie, you know? Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Don't just bring in somebody who's just going to do it because, like, yeah, it worked last time. We made a lot of money. Let's do it again. 
Yeah, I think the Star Trek movies fell into that at times, mm-hmm. where it was just time to make another one. Yep. And you know, it's not, you know, we have we have a lot of affection for those movies, but it's or X Men. I think X Men X Men hit every problem you can hit. I think that's yes, why it was did. such a fun franchise to cover. Was yeah. they were like they started with a villain, or they kept a toxic director on for far too long. Yep. Or they did all the or they you know they always for focusing on, I guess like the big picture as opposed to like making each individual movie the best that it could be, which is, I guess it's just in Star Trek's defense, what Star Trek would do quite often. Right. My end of the research. Or they like brought in a director who didn't give a shit about what he was making. He was just like, I got to make an American movie so I can be a successful director. And it's like, Mm -hmm. then you get, you know, X-Men origins as a result. And it's like, well, okay. (laughs) Like you could have got somebody who was like really passionate about making the Wolverine origin story, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think so I think, interested. I think that I think that. Uh, you know, we're gonna all right, have to come back in for... like twenty twenty seven or whenever when those finally when the MCU X Men movies finally start coming out. It's I I it's gonna be fascinating. Um, <laughs> from the franchises you've covered, I think the best way yeah. to adapt X Men. I I mean we t- maybe we we talked about this before, but I think the best way to adapt X Men is to do a Disney Plus series that is the mm-hmm. low key stuff, and then just save the big tentpole moments like the season finales as movies for sure. You do the build up, you do all the character stuff in the show and then you do like season finale move X-Men movies. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how air to the empire pulls that off. Yeah, very much so. Um, from the franchises you've covered, which characters action figure would you most want on your shelf? Whew. This is a big one. I'm going to have to like, (laughs) this is a big question. Golly. It's kind of a big question. <laughs> I mean, you know, an Ellie Sattler action figure would be great. I'm sure that exists. Um, Kitty Pride, mm. Bella Elliot Swan, Page, Kitty Pride, for sure. Yeah, specific. Probably, probably is a thing. I don't know. Um, it probably looks like shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, it probably does look like shit. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> Uh, oh man, a super like hyper detailed Steve Zizu action figure would be crazy. That would be cool. That would be cool. Um, man, I'm trying to think of like, like a lovable like side character that I would love an action figure of. Oh, what was that guy's name for Men in Black International? Tungus. Oh, Kumail. No, the big the big one that dies, and he's like help. Oh God, I don't remember that at all. Kill me. I remember very little of that movie, to be perfectly honest. No, yeah, rightly so. Um, oh, Alexi action figure for Jurassic Park because they never made one. Ooh, that's good. That's fun. I like that. Maybe with a with a keyboard. Hmm. Yeah. Nice. Um. Yeah, I definitely think probably some kind of Wes Anderson. Uh, action figure is probably what I would want. Um, oh, uh, a Darjeeling limited playset. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, I like that. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's tough. That's that's it is tough. Uh, um, I'm also Paxton Twister. Yeah, I'm also at a point now where I'm like not into. I'm not like an action figure guy on my like action figure on my shelf kind of guy as much mm-hmm. as I used to be. 
Um, so like trying to really like think of one that would be meaningful is tough. It's oh like, yeah, for sure. That's what I'm doing is like, yeah. what do I, cause the action figures that I do own is like, I love that. I love these characters so much. I don't care that I look like in my mind, like a huge dork for having an action figure of you. Right. Right. Um, man. Oh, uh, you know what? Uh, uh, uh Dewey Riley. Dewey Riley would be good. Yep. Uh, specifically Scream 2 Dewey. Yeah, peak Dewey. Yeah, that's that's um, my answer. A really cool, hyper-detailed uh, magic New Mutants action figure. I don't know if they ever Ooh. made one of those. Yeah. Oh, man, what a waste of Anya Taylor-Joy. What that was such... Oh, God, it. she was so good in that, too. Um, except for being r- racist against Native Americans. Um, <laughs> yeah, what the fuck was that about? I don't know. I don't know. Um, All right. Next question. Uh, What franchise's core characters do you want to have a drink with? Um, Not the core fucking four, because, you know, they'd be that group. Yeah, you're 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 the meat of that group. Oh, well, that that aside, that aside, (laughs) I just think it it would be like just in joke city, you know? Yeah. Oh, true. It's like, oh, you didn't get that because that was when we were getting stabbed. Yeah. I'm like, okay, why the fuck? Why did you wipe um, me out? I I think as like as like as like cute as it would be to like hang out with like Rocky's crew for a while, I do feel like actually <laughs> actually being around them for an extended period of time would be a lot. Um, it would be like just hanging out with your dad's friends. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think that's the move. I think I gotta go with Star Trek. I think I gotta, gotta go, go with the original the OG crew. I uh, no, I was gonna actually say the Kelvin crew. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. That that crew. Okay, nice. Yeah, I I think I gotta go with the Kelvin crew. I think. Um, that'd be. Yeah, I think that's probably fun. my pick. I'm looking. I'm just like kind of skimming through these. Because I, I think, think a, I think a group hang is more fun than a one on one hang. <laughs> Here's my question: What would be the yeah. most miserable hang? Uh, let's see. Rocky I, would be. I think heavy. it's the Matrix. Sure, yeah. I think it's Neo, Neo and Trinity and and Morpheus and that crew. I think that I think the Nebuchadnezzar crew is the would be the most miserable people to hang out with. Yeah, not not a fun hang. <laughs> uh, the Collins, not the funnest. Oh, I mean the 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 black the Black Pearl crew would be a fun hang. I think I they'd smell bad though. That's true. They'd be real stinky. Uh, Owen Grady seems like he 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 gives good bar hang. <laughs> That's probably true. I feel like he'd be a good wingman too, just in general. Yeah, I think so. I think he'd be. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Grown up Lexi and Tim. I bet they're really chill. Probably. Probably. But I like um, I like the, the Kelvin crew answer. The original the original Evil Dead crew, like pre Necronomicon. Oh right, yeah, they seem chill. Just a bunch of fucking goofballs, goofball college kids. Carmen and Junie. Yeah, like grown up. Yeah, maybe. No, yeah, no. I want to take O three Carmen and Junie to a bar. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Danny Trejo probably did. Oh, for sure. Uncle Machete probably took him to a bar. <laughs> um. Yeah. You told me when it's five o'clock. Okay. <laughs> All right. I want to I want to I want I want to go and have a drink with Jay, Agent J and Agent mm-hmm. L 
but I yeah. specifically want to be there to see the moment where Elle decides she wants to go back <laughs> to the morgue. Like, what did it? What event? Yeah. Yeah. Was she like, you know, I'm good. Yeah. I want to be there when that happens. That's that's what that's what it yeah. is, I think. Um, Jayla from Star Trek Beyond. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah, well, she can she can be included in the Kelvin hang. She's included. Yeah, she's grandfathered yeah. in. I think that's the I think that's the answer is the Kelvin yeah, hang. For sure. I, 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 I think, like yeah. yeah, for sure. Um okay. Last two. Uh what questions or I'm sorry, what characters from the franchises you've covered would you want to be guests on the show? Um You think Kirby Kirby would be a fun guest from Scream? Yes. Kirby on an Evil Dead movie. Kirby on the Kirby Evil Dead Kirby on remake. an Evil... Oh, good. Good one. Yeah. 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 Uh, Mindy, too. Mindy would I, would... I would be down to hear Mindy's thoughts on the yeah. Evil Dead movies. Yeah. For sure. Or like or like Mindy on a screen... Or Mindy on an X-Men movie. Sure. Sure. Because, you know, she clearly has a lot of thoughts on franchises. Right. It's very true. Um. Yeah, that's like those are like the most like film broy characters. Yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, you know, Ambassador Spock would just be uh, right. That'd be any kind. Any, I mean, the Matrix, you know, any of the Matrix movies, the World Tannenbaums, just his perspective on <laughs> yeah. life. Um, I would love to have Randy on. Randy from Scream for a sure. movie that came out like pre his death. Oh, so, oh, okay. I thought you so, meant after he had died. No, no, no. Like, like pre pre nineteen ninety seven. No, I mean that would be fun too to be like to be like to just show him like some random X Men movie. Like, oh fuck! <laughs> yeah, what what is? Oh my god! <laughs> this is like the fifth one, Randy. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> just really fuck with him. Bring Randy on for Spy Kids four. <laughs> yeah. Here, look. They're all like this. <laughs> these are just movies now <laughs> anyway enjoy your death <laughs> everything uh, that's sad. everything keeps going um, <laughs> um all right last question are there any future franchises you're looking forward to possibly covering nope <laughs> nope not a single one not a single one uh, we're you know we're uh i was thinking scott the we're having fun with the Apatow movies right now. Yeah. And it'll be that feels that that feels very indulgent. Like nobody was asking for that. Yeah. And so the fact that, you know, we also have the mummy coming. Yes. It feels like we're really balancing because that was literally the opposite where we we didn't ask for that, but the listeners did. And so it it feels like we're balancing it out. And this kind of the mummy feels like a celebration of the listeners. Right. Um, and then other than The Mummy, we have two other franchises that we're covering uh, this season um, that have not been announced yet. And uh, they're both bangers, I think. Yeah. So uh, it's One a good in time to be a franchiseography listener, I would say. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't. I, I just don't want to announce the other ones. Uh, no, for sure. Yeah, yeah. You're... You have to listen to the Apatow ones first. Yes. Yeah. You gotta. You gotta eat your vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> I love. I love the idea of calling the Apatow movies vegetables. <laughs> this is not vampires uh, or space guns in it. 
Yeah. Um, and then and then next season we've already got oh. like two franchises franchises on the docker for season three. So you, you know. know who we didn't bring up for who a, a franchise character would be fun to grab a beer with is oh. uh, Sheriff Bill Swan. Oh, would he be fun? <laughs> would he be sad? Would he yeah, be I feel like he'd ones? be sad. I feel like he'd be sad. I don't know. He's like, I don't know I where my daughter is. I haven't seen her in years. She is. She's a vampire now. I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't know. Remember, she was like going to become a vampire and then never be able to see him ever again. She was like, done. What's that the was like part? a plot point in Breaking Dawn. <laughs> and, and naturally, I'll never be able to see you again. Um, <laughs> okay. Whatever. Wait, why? Why? Because you're asleep at nighttime. And I'm like, I can, I can, I can be I up. Can, I can be awake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that why you're never gonna see me again? I want to. I want to see your. I want to see my daughter. I'll. I'll, I'll make it. I will. <laughs> you have a night schedule. I don't know. Oh, uh, sad man. Yeah. Uh, was that our last question? Yeah, that was our last question. That's it. Uh, future franchises. Um, yeah, I don't know. All of them. Not telling. Yeah, we're not telling. That's the thing. Nice try, officer. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm really excited to announce the last two seasons or the last two, you know, movies that we're going to be covering. Yeah. One um, is coming on the other side of Apatow. Yep. Then we're doing the mummy. And then there's another one on the other side of the mummy that that we have yet to announce as well. Um, and yep. those two that'll bring us to the end of the year. Um, The end of 2023. And then we'll take a break before coming back with our third season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's what it looks like for the rest of the the rest the rest of season two. But thank you so much for being on this journey with us for one hundred episodes. Yeah, absolutely, one hundred episodes is a long time. Um, it it yeah, it means a lot when we hear people like watching along with us and, mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really really cool. Um, so yeah, uh, that's that. Um. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you for um, being Patreon subscribers, if you are. Thank you for being uh, uh, Discord members, if you are. If you're not, you should be both of those things. Um, yeah, you're missing out on half half the half the fun of the show. I think if you're not on if you're not on the Discord and and not a Patreon member, because um, yeah, if you're not a Patreon member, you're not getting the franchise potentials, and uh, if you're not on discord you're you're not getting to like be a part of the march madness voting anymore you're not being a part of all the discussions the camaraderie all of that stuff so um please join the discord links in the show notes you got to be on discord first so like sign up for discord and then click the link in the show notes and you'll pop into our server do it do it um that's that thanks for listening everybody we will be back with more of Judd Apatow, uh, train wreck. <laughs> That's right. Next week, the big, the biggest fuck up in movie history. Next week, speaking of uh, Bill Hader, right? Yeah. So there you go. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everybody. Just